It's another bisexual brunch with Lewis Oakley, Ashley Byrne, but this time with no Nicky Hodgson. If nobody was told what you were meant to do, if there weren't any rules, we would be living in a totally different format. We as journalists and activists have always found it very difficult to find people who will openly talk about being bisexual. Just don't think there are enough bi perspectives on bi issues. I feel like we've got to talk about it because we're really comfortable doing that. It can be really intimidating. Bisexuality is not really understood because people have biphobic tendencies. And the second you mention bisexual, just their ears pick up. Oh, well, you're still confused, right? No, I'm not confused. I've always found myself at the mercy of gay and straight advice. You can have a bit of competition to see who's the better bisexual bruncher. This is Bisexual Brunch. Okay, another bisexual brunch, and it's September. And what does September mean, Lewis? It's it's Bi Pride Month, so happy Bi Pride Month, Ash. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it's also Bi Awareness Day at some point. Is that the 23rd of September? It is indeed. And that's also Bi Week. So we just, we, we, we pepper it with all the things. It's Bi Pride Month. Then we've got Bi Pride Week. And then we've got Bi Visibility Day. What a celebration. Absolutely. Absolutely. I wonder if at the end of it, anybody will have heard of any of it and noticed at all. <laughs> well we try our best we try our best we do we do and i know you're trying all the time and i gather you're being faced with a lot of brick walls yet again this year yeah i mean it's one of those things like i you know i've always been able to use the by pride month the by visibility day to really try and be like come on guys time to get us in the mainstream time to get us coverage um it's really hard this year because this year I was like, right, I need to properly go for it again. Um, but at the same time, I am exhausted. These children are keeping me awake. I've got three children and counting right now. A full-time job. I don't really sleep anymore. Work is, like, busy. So, you know, trying to do the buy stuff on top. And I'm also learning to drive. So it's it's hard. But what I basically did was wrote a massive planner for myself this year of basically all the national broadcast publications, all the national um, print and online media. I then did some research to figure out who the best people were to target. And then I wrote up a bit of a pitch. And the pitch this year I went with is, why is bisexuality still so taboo? And it was actually inspired by something you said, Ash, because obviously, you know, we've had this conversation before of like, why, why is it that, you know, you kind of either get some journalists or producers that are like, bisexuality oh like you know that's not an issue anymore you know people are fluid now and then you get some people that still think it's an issue there's never like this medium person and so i thought going for why is it still so taboo if they're people that think oh like bisexuality is not even a thing anymore we're past that that would that would make them stop and be like well why is it so taboo and i make a really good argument um and then for those that you know it is kind of a a concept they don't really think about it's kind of like oh bisexuality so i've tried my best um got a couple of radio people that are like not right now but we'll keep your number on file um i've got i did get one article out of it but they didn't want to center it to buy visibility day they just want to put it out and then a couple more that kind of came back and were like yeah we like we like to talk about bisexuality but we don't really want to talk about anything you've suggested um so it's it's a hard one but i would say i've probably gone out to about 100 people 
and her back from about five. So that's kind of the ratio that we're going with at the moment. Right, that's interesting. That's interesting. Well, we've had some good news on the bioawareness front, actually. We'll talk about that in a second. But just to let everybody know what's coming up uh, in, in this show, we're going to be talking about uh, Bi Pride uh, UK, which is actually happening this very weekend uh, in London. We're talking to um, Avi K all about uh, that and uh, letting you know how you can uh, get involved uh, both. Um, during the event, uh, in person, online, and after the event as well. Um, so that's a very rare uh, bi-pride. I mean, there are the odd one or two bi-prides here and there across the UK and across the world, but um, not many, really, Lewis, are there? You know, this is one day, isn't it? It's not... When we talk about prides, we think of a weekend or a week or whatever, but when it comes to bi-prides, they tend to be a day, don't they, generally? Yeah, and they like to keep us contained, like in a venue. They don't like us like walking the streets and causing any trouble. They, you know, they're they're either like you go in this church or you go in this university, and you stay there in these designated spots. <laughs> and then we're going to be talking a little bit more about buy porn. You'll be pleased to know uh, this time from somebody who is being a bit skeptical about whether uh, buy porn is a good thing and whether or not. The amount of buy porn that is out there is actually uh, more problematic. It might some people might think it actually raises awareness of bisexuality and helps people who are bisexual to uh, understand bisexuality more and uh, the connection between themselves and other people. But uh, this person uh, believes that actually um, it is actually a little bit uh, problematic. And then we've got our ask a bisexual feature later on. Another question from a man who is in a straight-facing relationship and is having uh, difficulties. And I have to say, Lewis, there isn't a week goes by when we don't get a letter, an email, a text, whatever it may be, from somebody somewhere in the world, men I'm talking about, who are in uh, straight-facing relationships with women who are finding it very, very hard. So I think, you know, as, as the months go on, it's something we need to address and and maybe get some straight women on and talk to them about bisexuality. What do you think? Yeah, I would love that. Let's have a straight woman on that says she wouldn't date a bisexual guy. Yeah, why not? Why not? And, why and, and not? It, Let's see if we can convince her. And if anybody is able to convince their partners to come on and talk about it, maybe you've got a partner who wasn't convinced at first and was found it found it difficult but has has come round and, and would like to come on and explain how they felt and 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 you know what it meant to them at the time and and why they felt the way they did so uh, you know please do get in touch with us and we'll uh, we'll, we'll, we'll we'd be great to talk about that because i think i think it, you know a lot of people identify with that equally there are also a lot of people who are bi in gay facing relationships as well um, and they equally find um, find difficulties and, uh, and problems with convincing, you know, gay men that they are they are all they are, they are authentic and will stay faithful and all that kind of thing. Anyway, um, and we'll also have a bisexual journey story as well um, in the course of this show. Um, but the thing I wanted to talk about, um, Lewis, I know you've not seen this yet, but um, you probably heard about it earlier on in the year, and I think everybody. Was told, you know, something in the in the in the midst about this this sort of LGBT coming of age teen drama that was on Netflix um, uh, called Heartstopper, and I heard about it and I thought, oh, I, I must watch that at some at some point, um, but I never really knew exactly what it was about. I just thought it was about 
basically maybe two gay guys, really, mainly, uh, because it was on Gogglebox. They were talking about it on there, and uh, the focus was on the a gay kiss and just the way it came over is very loving and caring and all the rest of it. I thought, yeah, it's lovely, it's beautiful, but I wasn't queuing up to watch it, if you know what I mean. And and it, it was only by chance that I sat down the other night and I thought, oh, I'll, I'll sit down and watch it and see what it's like. And I was really, really pleasantly surprised. Um, what's not been said in the media, in any of the coverage of it whatsoever, really, is how the whole series, all eight episodes, have a bisexual undercurrent. I mean, in a nutshell, it's about a young gay guy who becomes besotted with um, a guy at school. In, this is it's UK, it's, well, it's Britain, done in Britain. A guy at school who's a rugby player, he's a top rugby player. And everyone thinks he's straight and all the rest of it. And over time, they get to know each other and they fall in love. And um, it's all about their relationship. And and but but, but um, and this guy who's supposedly the the one that everyone thinks is straight, the rugby player, it turns out he is bisexual and he has to come to terms with that. And um, and all throughout it, um, the gay lad um, accepts that, which is really quite sweet. But obviously other people don't accept it. They don't quite get it, they, you know. So there's an explanation and all that comes through. But also equally, you've got a, another bi character in it, young bi character in it, who has a relationship with the gay lad initially at the beginning, who is very much in the closet and is, you know, ashamed of what he's doing, what's going on and starts to hurt the gay guy, you know, so which we know exists. We know that happens. We know there are bisexual people who do that. And I'm not saying, you know, it's a good thing. It's not a good thing. But sadly, because of the circumstances people are in, people do that kind of thing. So it shows, it reflects the re reality, I think, on both sides of how things can pan out. And um, yeah, it's it's lovely. Um, it stars um, a guy called Kit Connor, great little actor. He plays Nick Nelson, who's the bi lad. And um, uh, an actor called Joe Locke, who comes from the Isle of Man. Um, just a little bit of a nod for the Isle of Man there. You don't hear many Isle of Man actors. And he plays a, a young lad called Charlie Spring. And then there's Sebastian Croft, who plays the uh, um, Ben, who's um, the subject of Charlie's um, sort of clandestine, bisexual sort of um, encounter uh, earlier in the show. But yeah, it's very well worth watching. We've put in some calls to... Uh, seesaw films that make it um, to see if we can get some interviews with these guys. But I think they're blazing a trail. It's really good to have bisexual representation at last. But it's so annoying that um, very few people know, probably know that it's there. So hopefully uh, by mentioning this on the on Bisexual Brunch, more people will, will watch it. And the other thing is, it isn't very much a teen drama. It's about school. It's about being a kid. It's about being a teenager. But... I I know from people speaking to a lot of people of different ages, if you're bisexual, whatever age you are, you will identify with it because it you know it's very honest and very true to the the things that we all we all go through. So I definitely recommend wow. it, Lewis. Definitely recommend it when you get around. Wow. I know you're so busy, but it's eight episodes. Maybe just do half an <laughs> half an hour a night, maybe. So for context, Ash was like, "Watch this show. We'll we'll discuss it on the next bisexual brunch." And I just didn't get around to it. And then it was a, a day or two before we were recording. And I was like, right, I'll watch that show. And then you're like, it's eight episodes. And I was like, oh, my God, that's so out of the question. <laughs> like, that, I don't have time for eight episodes. And then when you said teen drama, I was like, oh, my God. I can't think of anything worse <laughs> or more painful than watching 
teens in love. I just can't stand it. Like it's just <laughs> I don't mind a good rom com, but I just have no interest in teens in love. I just can't stand it. It's like, you know, it's up there with like Christmas movies that are about love. Christmas movies. I don't want like I can't stand this whole oh, we reconnected over Christmas. And I equally cannot stand teen dramas where I'm supposed to care that some 15-year-old has found love <laughs> that's never going to last. So that's my cynical hat on. But I'm glad that they've got a bi character. And to be honest, when you said bi character, I, I honestly, I, I, like the truth is, I honestly assumed you're like, oh, it's probably one of those where, you know, like a Matrix thing. Like, oh, if you really look at, look at it, and it'll, it'll never be mentioned. But if you really watch, you know, you might be able to think that one of them is bi, but it sounds like there are, there is an actual bi character, which is quite nice. Yeah, well, there's two bi characters in it, and and one of them, you if you're watching it and you don't know much about bisexuality, well, you probably look at that person in a negative way. That's my only criticism of it, um, but that's how people are, and and you know this guy Not is all basically bisexuals are nice. Yeah, exactly. But this guy, you know, he's obviously ashamed, feels ashamed that he's bisexual. He's got a girlfriend as well as as well as going out with this guy, and he, you know, he's the, the gay guy's upset about it or whatever. And and, and pe- people might see that and think, actually, that's a, a typical representation of, of of a bi person. So in my mind, that was the bit that I wasn't quite sure of because I thought to myself, actually, rather than painting him as being the evil one, somebody should actually point out and say, actually, this guy is going through difficulties and he's find, finding it very hard to actually um, realise his sexuality and, and come to terms with it because there's no representation. So that's the only bit I was a bit sort of, I thought, mm, you know, because unfortunately kids act like that and will act like that if they're not seeing any representation out there. But by and large, mm. by and large, the right phrase, um, I think it worked. Uh, it works really, really well. Um, it doesn't overtly mention bisexuality, but it's in there. So you get things like, um, you know, um, somebody wants one line, somebody says masculine people can be gay, you know. And bisexual people exist, so you've got various little sort of me- you know messages that come from di- the different characters that are in it. Um, but no, it's it, it's very sweet. Um, I agree with you about a lot of teen dramas that are a bit oh my yuck, you know. But this is this is it's really nice, and it's just great to have um, some representation for the first time in a long time. Uh, it might be the it might be the first and last time. <laughs> for, for about twenty years, but you know we might as well celebrate it while it lasts, haven't we? Really. In that oh sense. God. <laughs> so, but you know, um, it doesn't, it doesn't get away from the fact that um, we're talking about it now, but we're talking about it in September. This came out in April, so mainstream new media-wise, it hasn't been talked about properly as as being bisexual or having bisexual. Well, I think undertones. this is a bit of the problem because I do think um, people see what they want to see, don't they? So, yeah. you know, they you know they might not have even noticed those kind of like, oh, they did say bisexuality once and stuff like that. I like Obviously not with this show, but I have had um, this issue with other shows. I remember, because I used to be really into some of the superhero shows, and I remember in one of them in Arrow, the son... Um, Basically, he he did come out as gay, but it was like in the episode, he admitted that he had a boyfriend or something like that. And the the write up in the LGBT media was, you know, this mainstream DC character has come out as gay. And I'm like, well, he didn't say gay. He said he had a boyfriend. And I found that that was quite quite telling of 
anything they can claim for the gays, they will. You know what I mean? Uh, it's like, oh, okay, that's gay, 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 he had a boyfriend, blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, hold on. Like, you should know a bit better by now. Having having a boyfriend does not make you gay. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that comes out, I think, in the show, in a way. I mean, there's this assumption that um, constantly throughout throughout it, there's a, there's a friend who's a, a very protective uh, best friend of Charlie. I think he's straight, actually. But he, he's, he's very protective of Charlie, looks after Charlie, is, uh, is his gay friend and wants to, you know, put his arm around him and sort of protect him all the time. And as far as he's concerned, this Kit Connor, the, yeah, this Nick guy is, is, is straight. And what's Charlie wasting his time for? And he's going to get hurt and all the rest of it. And, and there's this assumption that, you know, he's, he's definitely straight because he's a rugby, you know, he's a rugby player and he's top of the team and all that kind of stuff. So all the little, all the general assumptions and tropes do come out, but they're subtly, they're subtly challenged along the way. So, I think it's good, and it's also um, it's also got a second series. So um, first eight episodes, and it's got um, another eight to come. So uh, and it's 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 doing wonders all across the world. It's British, so uh, flying the flag for British Whoa, actors. Oh, I wonder if we can get some product placement, like <laughs> just a moment in season two where like they're listening to bisexual brunch and they like pause it. Well, and funnily, walks in. funnily enough, on one of the I can't remember who it is now, but one of the one of the bits where. Nick is is trying to work out whether he's bisexual. He goes on YouTube and he uh, listens and to a to somebody a, a real life person um, who was, was in the show and has talked about it. I can't remember who it is who talks about um, being bisexual and, and whatever. So you know, because a lot of people, I presume, that's what a lot of people probably do. Uh, young people probably, if they are bisexual and want to know more, they probably just look at look it up on YouTube these days, don't they, and find out what people are saying and whatever. Google it. Or, or, or they come to bisexual brunch. Of course, that's the other, that's the that's the other place. Um, so maybe we could get maybe we could get a slot in the next show, eh? Next next series. <laughs> talk Let's talk do about it. bisexual. We need a product placement team. <laughs> so that's so that's that. So yeah, if you get a chance to watch it, please do. Now I presume because you've been so busy, you've still not been to that museum, have you? <laughs> I haven't. I haven't. You asked me to go about four months ago, but I haven't. I have a baby. Well, I have three children. One's a baby, one's a toddler, and one's a teenager. It couldn't be harder. And I'm learning to drive. Once I pass my driving test, I'll drive there. Okay. And there's right. been train strikes, Ash. I mean, it's just been I know. impossible to get around London I know. these last few weeks. I know, I know. It's terrible. Well, if, if anybody else has been to the Queer Museum in London, I think it's in Islington, isn't it? Near King's Cross, is that right? Um, uh, yeah, it's in King's Cross. If anybody's been and wants to tell us about what it's like... Um, and whether it's representative of the bee, please do um, get in touch with the show. So our next topic... I will go. I promise I will go. No worries, no worries. Don't worry. We'll forgive you. We'll forgive you. Um, our next topic <laughs> then um, is how problematic is bi porn? Now, we've talked at length about bi porn on quite a few occasions on the show. We've been pretty candid about our own... Our own experiences, our own sex lives, and whether or not we watch by porn. And I think in the last uh, program where we talked about by porn, you, Nikki, and I talked about just how unrealistic a lot of it is, how how not very authentic it is. Um, and now somebody's written. You speak for yourself. <laughs> somebody's written an article now. Katie Baskerville. She's written a, an article in Mashable talking about how problematic by pornography is. She says you might think it's a boon for visibility, but the reality isn't so simple. Apparently, uh, one of the most um, 
uh, most used sort of search phrases or whatever on for porn is threesomes. So you know, people are, people are after sort of some degree of experimenting with their sex, whether they're sexual, whether they're straight, gay, bi, or whatever. So there's certainly an interest there in some degree of bisexual porn, but um, she thinks it's problematic because she thinks it's very much focused on the, the, the male side of things and, 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 and penetration and all that kind of stuff. But let's hear what um, uh, Katie had to say when I spoke to her uh, a few days ago. You're listening to Bisexual Brunch. And I'm delighted to welcome Katie Baskerville, who's a freelance writer who covers LGBTQ plus sex, health and culture issues for a variety of publications. And Katie, thank you very much uh, for joining us. Now, before we get started, you've been talking about bi porn and we'll come to that in a second. Um, but first of all, you are you are bisexual yourself. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, no, that's right. Um, long time bisexual. Hello. Uh, <laughs> yeah, bisexual my whole life. Um, yeah, and it, I just feel like it's a really important thing that we should be covering in the media because it it re- it's affects both male, female, non-binary people across loads of different gender expressions, and we rarely see those representations in the media. Yeah, well, we're talking about the the porn side of things. In a second, just just for one second, just to, just to focus on you and your your bisexuality. How old are you now? So I'm just about to turn 31. Right. So I'm a 90s baby. Okay. And when did you realise, or have you always realised, that you were bisexual? Honestly, I think, I don't think that I realised for a very long time. And that was because I had a lot of internalised shame around first sex, sexual competency, pleasure, all that kind of stuff. You have to understand, I grew up in a very, very small community in North Wales, even though I have very liberal parents who have always been ever so supporting. It was the social kind of dynamic that I grew up in during the 90s and noughties that really manufactured this culture of not being able to fully realise a sexuality without it either becoming a topic of bullying a topic of um, harassment as well. Uh, There have been multiple occasions where um, I have watched some very good friends of mine just constantly be barraged at parties and all spoken about in certain ways. And obviously that comes from a lot of things that we look at now and we can kind of reflect on and think, well, yeah, in the noughties and nineties, there was a lot of hypersexualization. We had the internet for the first time. It was an era of digital explosion, if you like. So in as much as we started to learn about sexuality and that there was a lot of things moving in the name of progress in North Wales where we didn't have, um, (laughs) you know, the internet for a really long time, especially not on like broadband and what you have now. I remember going to school in year eight and still not having broadband in my village, still on dial-up. But yeah, it it was tough. It was tough being a bisexual person in North Wales during the noughties. Yeah, and I suppose, you know, uh, every part of the UK moves on a different stage or any part of the world moves on a different stage. I I always remember people saying, you know, everyone talks about the the swinging 60s. And my mum always says, actually, the swinging 60s didn't start swinging in the north of England until the 70s, really. You know, it was a few few years behind a lot of the time. Um, So, but but of course, a lot of people in North Wales or wherever you you grew up would have known 
about people being gay and lesbian and that had probably moved on quite a bit and people were probably starting to accept that to an extent not not entirely i know there's issues and there would be prejudices and whatever but then to bring in the word bisexual confuses things immensely for people doesn't it they they're like well what does that mean how how do i cope with that you know is that was that your experience Oh, 100%. I mean, like I say, it was the noughties. And during this time, we had this kind of culture clash of a lot of bisexuality or bi-curiousness. And within that bi-curiousness, there was a lot of like performativeness that kind of draws from this expectation of what bisexuality looks like. And of course, that was never through the lens of somebody who was actually bisexual. That was always through a very different kind of lens. And usually it would be a heteronormative lens. So what we saw was a lot of gratification between um, kind of women kissing each other on stage at the VMAs. We all saw that Britney and Madonna thing. Um, although she did kiss Christina Aguilera at the same time. Um, we just didn't see it because they flicked the camera to Justin, but moving on quickly. I think, yeah, people just don't understand how you can like men and women. I think they can get their head around the binary of if, you know, if you're gay, you like men. And if you are straight, you like women or vice versa. But I don't, I genuinely don't think people understand the, the and I say this in inverted commas, the indecision or the non-committal nature of saying, well, I just like this, or I just like that. I think a lot of the time bisexual people, they, they sit in a non-binary kind of area where it's two or more. Um, and yeah, I think people really struggle with that. And I think when you've only just managed to kind of get your head around and not really examined all of your prejudices, it's just that, you know, it's legal now, it's no longer considered um, an issue with the World Health Organization. All these things have kind of moved on and moved past. And yet you bring something new, new like this into the mix. And yeah, people just lose their heads. They can't get, they can't grasp it. They don't understand it, but they also don't want to understand it because of how linked it is with sex. It's We don't talk about you know, gay people as gay sexual. We don't talk about lesbian people as lesbian sexual, but we do talk about bi people as bisexual. And I think that that attachment of sexual to to being bi absolutely kind of cements this expectation of sex just by saying I am a bisexual person that inherently reinforces the the kind of sex of it all. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's, we have this um, discussion all the time on bisexual brunch. You know, it, that's what people think, don't they? They just automatically think that we we really can't get enough. <laughs> that's all we want. All we want to do is go and have sex. And actually, I mean, yes, there are people like that. and that, But there are a lot of people who are straight and gay like that. And there's nothing wrong with that. If that's what people want, that's up to them. But, you know, by and large, <laughs> by and large, um, <laughs> it, you know, bisexual people are just like anybody else and they can be monogamous and they can you know they have the issues that everyone else has and and they do make a choice but it's not about having a choice and saying that you never no longer fancy anybody else ever again you know you, you, that's the thing people can't get get their head around isn't it so let's talk about bi porn then we've talked about bi porn on the show a few times we've talked about how um how unrealistic it is actually a lot of the time not unrealistic in the sense that people are having bisexual relationships in different ways that obviously happens and exists in, in a way but that what is out there often looks extremely fake 
much more plastic than straight porn or gay porn and seems to be certainly done to have some kind of specific effect and maybe not done for bisexual, actual bisexual audiences. Now, you've just written an article about that. this. Is that what you have found when you've been looking at this issue? This issue? Yeah, so when I've been speaking to people that make more ethical porn, so, for example, um, sort of bed bible, lustery, even speaking to sex workers, all that kind of stuff, what we've kind of come to realise and come to understand is that a lot of the bisexual sex representations that are gratuitous, that are um, verging on violence sometimes or quite ferocious in nature, um, generally sit on free tube sites and very rarely come in paid for porn packages like pay-per-view or subscription services. And I think that that in and of itself um, caters to a very specific type of person. So even though this porn is being created for, you know, for consumption and on, on some level, I think it's for a very specific person who's searching for that porn on a free site rather than somebody genuinely looking to be titillated and excited by a genuine representation of a bisexual experience. I mean, we're talk, you're talking there about ethical porn. A lot of people have no idea what ethical porn is. They don't really... So, so most people, I suppose, when they're searching for porn, whether it be, you know, uh, whoever you may be, whether you be a man, woman, non-binary, whatever, you know, people, everyone looks at porn at some point, they will probably literally just type in, buy porn, won't they? So the, the and the chances are they're going to stumble across the, the the majority of stuff that is being made for you know a mass a mass audience I suppose and 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 I mean what I mean what I've seen if I'm being honest about it when I've looked at stuff like this over over the years is that it's often it often tends to be men two men and a woman most of the time. Uh, is what I tend to uh, notice, uh, which I would think sits in a position whereby a lot of straight men can be attracted to that because it's that old fantasy of sharing somebody's wife or whatever it may be. You know what I mean? That kind of thing. So it it it's, it's a, it fits into the you know the the, the male sort of the, how men see things, I suppose. Or it's either that, or it's the other way around. It's two women and a man because again that's the great fantasy for uh, for for men do you know or straight men i'm not saying all straight men think that way obviously you know but do you know what i mean so that so it's coming at it generally isn't it from a heteronormative standpoint yeah it always is and what happens a lot in these kind of scenarios is that penetration becomes the main focus of pleasure and that, of course, is complete nonsense for women or people with vulvas and vaginas. It's not necessarily where you're going to get the main source of your pleasure. We all know that the clitoris now is much bigger than we ever thought it was and that it mimics so many different organs and that there are so many ways to feel pleasure. But when we look at bisexual porn and we look at um, be it two men and one woman, penetration has to happen between the man and the woman as well as the man and the man 
to be considered bisexual porn. Otherwise, it's a gangbang. Otherwise, it's something else. So penetration still has to be at the heart of this. And then what happens when you reinforce that message is that other types of sex don't count, don't count as pleasurable, don't count as intimate, don't count as a representation of how sex happens between couples. And also, not all bisexual people are having threesomes that you know they're just not I mean some are some love them and some have sex way more frequently than I'm sure um, I'm having but that's totally fine that's again having sex at that amount or frequency or with multiple partners or with casual partners or with just one person not a single one of those acts is a invite for solicitation is a representative of being open to anyone and I think that's the big misconception when we look at um, pornography and then when pornography steps into the role of educator because we all know porn is not an educator it is a place to experience fantasy and fetish and kink it is definitely not a place to go for you know, your how to do sex, absolutely not. There should be other avenues for that. But when people do go down that route, what they end up doing is filling in the gaps with stuff that they think is right because they have nowhere else to go to check their knowledge. And because that there's this dopamine-fueled hit of, great, I've just seen something really sexy, I'm really turned on, this is the thing that's really getting through to me, then that then becomes your main point of reference for how sex happens. And it's not, it's just not. Yeah, and of course we're in a more an even more difficult position, aren't we? In the sense that representation of bisexual people anyway is just not out there. Very little of it at all. There's no education about being bisexual or how bisexual people feel. We don't hear about bisexuals and how their emo- what their emotions are. Uh, we don't. I mean, that we, we don't. We don't hear the emotions. We let alone anything about people's sex lives. You know, it just doesn't get talked about unless unless you're listening to bisexual brunch, of course, <laughs> which is which everyone should do, of course. But um, but yeah, no, it, it, it's it's interesting, isn't it? And and so you're right. There is a you know, it, it it fills a void, doesn't it? So if you don't know anything about, it, you suddenly watch this. You know, that's obviously how it all happens. But it's interesting because there was a survey done recently about people's sexual habits, and you're talking there about penetration, and I think it was something like only, certainly with gay men, only about 20% of gay men actually indulge in penetrative sex. And of course, most people think they're at it all the time. Um, but they don't, they're not at it all the time. They're doing other things. And, and you know, not, not that there's anything wrong with penetration, but it isn't the only thing, <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and that's what, where we need to sort of educate people, isn't it, really? Yeah, so that's interesting. You've done this article in uh, Mashable um, talking about the pros and cons and, and whether or not actually there's a negativity a, a, about bi porn. And we've discussed this a few times on the show. And I remember the last time Lewis and I talked about it, we were talking about, in fact, specifically, I think, from somebody who'd written in about um, how they're 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 a bisexual and their gay partner um, liked hearing about the fact that they had sex with women. They he found that a, a turn on, uh, but then when he was challenged, well, let's go through through with it and have a threesome. He couldn't. He wouldn't go. Wouldn't go down that route. So the difference between fantasy and reality, you know, uh, is, is an issue. But we also talked a bit about the fetishization of it. And for for men, for by men, um, certainly Lewis and I felt that in the few times that we've that we've come across people who've felt, oh, it's exciting to to going out with a bisexual or whatever, dating a bisexual, um, we found that quite flattering. 
because it never happens. Very few people ever do, ever ever talk about it. It's not seen as being sexy to be a bisexual man, all that kind of thing. But of course, on the flip side, for women, it's different, isn't it? Because for women, it's there all the time, constantly, and blokes are always going on about it. It's the ultimate fantasy and all the rest of it. So, th- so there's two sides of the coin here when it comes to men and women and how they how they how they see it. And presumably, um, the majority of what you're talking about in terms of the the I suppose the violence, potential violence that can happen, and the, uh, the abuse, that kind of thing, probably comes. I'm, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but probably comes around the by porn that's focused on um, women. Is that right? Or am I wrong? So I think we can't ignore the fact that by porn plays a huge role in filling a sex education gap. And by using something that fills a gap like that, undoubtedly there's going to be expectation there's going to be um well you know almost like an entitlement to sex and to have it a very specific way or you expect your partner to receive it in the way that you're giving it and then there's shame and embarrassment if it doesn't go that way so it's a huge spectrum but I think honestly the biggest culprit in all of this and it affects not just by women but by men gay men straight women and it all comes down to misogyny we are in a patriarchal system that values a a misogynistic lens. And a lot of the porn that is created is through that heteronormative lens that is very, very closely linked with all different types of misogyny. Because when you are a woman and you are bisexual, you are greedy, you want it all, you'll have it from anyone, you, you know, there's this like, almost this villainous thing that comes into it. But then if you're a bisexual man, there's this like hating of the feminine perception of what that man can be. So not you, you know, you're too, you're too female to be, to be straight and you're too, you know, and then that has an impact within the gay community because then you don't really sit within either one. Um, and I know that I have definitely felt this um, and I have had friends who are gay tell me, you know, they've called me fag hag, they've called, you know, and in, in, in jest and jovial. But I think when you're trying to figure out where you sit in the community, be that within like a straight community or with an LGBTQ community, you're kind of going, well, yes, you feel like a traitor no matter where you are, because you can't, you can't do right for doing wrong. And it all comes down to, to who you like to sleep with. And genuinely, it just boggles my brain, absolutely boils it. Because the, the situation for a lot of bisexual men is that they're in situations where straight women, when it comes to you know trying to get into a relationship, they just will not take them seriously. Yeah, because they, they just won't can't commit. get it at all. Yeah, they exactly. won't commit because it's terrifying. And obviously, I'm not speaking. It's not terrifying for me, but it. I've heard it before where people say it's terrifying the idea of being left for for a man. Like there's this internalized homophobia that that would be the bad thing, not the cheating, but that would be the bad thing. And I have had, you know, boyfriends in the past being like, oh, if you kissed a girl, I wouldn't mind. Just let me know when you're doing it. But if I did that with a boy, then, oh, my God, all hell would break loose. So there's this double standard and it's a double standard that affects both men and women and non-binary people in that space that, you know, associate with the bisexual label. 
I mean, what are you going to do? You literally can't win. And that's because we're seen as these almost like unicorns. Like, you know, you put us in these situations with, uh, for like a menage a trois or whatever, and all of a sudden you're this um, desirable wanting thing. But then when you put that desirable wanting thing in the supermarket, just doing her daily shop, or maybe he's just answering his emails at work, people can't make that disconnect. All they see is this inherently sexual being before they see a person just living a very normal life. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I interviewed um, not so long ago um, the guy who played the first sort of mainstream sort of bisexual character in a, in a film, which was... Uh, um, Another Bloody Sunday, was it? Another, yeah, that's right. Another Bloody Sunday in 1971. And um, it was, uh, Glenda Jackson was the uh, the straight woman that he was having an affair with. And there was Peter Finch, who was a gay man he was having an affair with. And of course, his name was Murray Head, the actor. And uh, of course, the only focus on the entire, the entire film for him, on him, was him being a sex object. Well, the emotions and everything were focused on around her and around the guy and they were friends as well and you know but but actually there was no, nothing about him as a person it was literally it was just this good looking guy the sex object in the film the titillation and that was it and i think you're right i think i think people can't get beyond that word um sex or I mean, it's ridiculous really when you think about it but um because sex obviously means a lot of things, doesn't it? It doesn't just mean the act. It means all sorts of things. Sex and sexuality are, you know, it's multifaceted, but nobody seems to get that. What? Um, so what do we need to do? Do you think we do you think we need to stop using the word sexual and just keep start using the word bi or, or what? I mean, do you think do you think we actually need to start addressing the term, as it were? I don't know, because I don't know how you would address it. I genuinely don't know how you would address the term. Of course, you can call yourself bi, you can call yourself pan, you can call yourself gay, or, you know, queer, however you like to identify. But I do think that we need to examine why sexual, when added to bi, is such a big deal. Why does it have such a profound effect on people? And I think that, again, all it does is come down to the the disproportionate gaps in education that need to be filled somewhere down the line whether that's during you know during the time that we're at school age or whether there's opportunity for learning elsewhere or whether popular culture has a role to play in filling in the gap correctly i don't know i don't know that there's a correct answer or or, or a right way to go about it because ultimately people identify with this with this terminology and a lot of by culture is is in it you know intrinsic to it so i don't i feel like would it be would it be a move to erase if we then went oh god people just don't understand us let's just change our name so that they stop being like oh well you're good for a threesome or oh you're just gay and you don't know it yet let's maybe look at why that is happening first and treat the symptom not or treat the cause not the symptom do you think it comes down to something though which i think we've still got a problem with in this country well, not just in this country, but maybe in largely in the Western world, actually, English-speaking world. And that is this this problem we have historically, this hang-up we have with, with, with sex. You know, I'm 49. I grew up in the early, you know, I was born in the early 70s and, and, and sort of grew up in the 80s. To be honest, when it got to the 90s, I thought we, we were starting to get to a point where people were starting, you know, things were quite liberal, but people were quite understanding. They got how... You know, think, you know, things have moved on. 
the 1950s kind of repressed thing had gone. Uh, I mean, it's ridiculous to think that everyone's repressed forever back in the day anyway. 1920s, they're all they're all at it. They're all enjoying themselves. And if you go to 1700s, they're all enjoying themselves. So it's not it's not you know it's not um, it's not been the same through history. But there was this period whereby things were quite Victorian, weren't there? And then we changed it. All got quite liberated again. But I feel as though in a way we're back to a fairly sort of there's a certain degree of morality emerged in it all where we start we've started to judge people again around sex and sexuality and yes it's okay to accept your you know lesbian or gay or whatever people accept all that but it has to be seen in the sense of oh they're that my so-and-so, my my gay son, oh, he's getting married, and my my gay uh, daughter, she's getting married. So they're seen in this heteronormative way. So do you know where I'm coming from? It's a sort of, it's okay if it's seen as as ex acceptable form of LGBT, but if it's slightly out of the ordinary, you know, if somebody is out there being promiscuous and enjoying themselves and you know, good luck to them. It's not a bit major deal. In the, you know, people want to do that, they can do it. But what I mean is, no, people can't get their head round that, can they? They can't get their head round the variety of situations, and therefore that judgment thing uh, comes in, and you get this thing of, you know, people mention the word sex, and it's like, oh my god, oh god, sex. Oh, can't talk about. Oh, what does that mean? You know what I mean? So yeah. we, we've not we've not really travelled a long way at all, have we? In a way, in a way. No. Well, I think I think we probably have travelled quite far it's just that we're walking in circles and I don't think we're really moving past the point like you say of morality I think that people find it really difficult to understand that people don't just have sex to please you know their their straight husbands or you know to um to make babies I think that people are still very you know perhaps not as much but I also have to recognize that I work in a very um sex positive bubble so trying to think outside of that if I was having this conversation perhaps with my family who I consider to be pretty liberal and pretty open about these things even when I came out you know that was that was a bit of a, a, a strange experience for me because it took it took a long time for people they were very accepting obviously but they didn't get it they just didn't get it so like oh are you gay now oh do you does that mean that you're going to have a girlfriend oh have you and your partner broken up or oh is something happened to to cause you to 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 acknowledge this part of yourself is something going to happen and actually what i really needed in that time was the kind of grace to just be like no no but what I would really like is for you to go and learn so that I'm not your point of reference to explain everything. Because I think at that point, I have to mention as well, I didn't come out till much later on in life. I knew I was by from, I would say, when I when I when I started to become sexually active, which was way too young. Um, I think I was like 14 when I was having my first sexual experiences and they weren't necessarily safe. I was definitely not sexually competent. That all of these things were just made a melting pot for me, just having a lot of shame associated with sex. So the idea then to attract more shame to me by admitting that I might like girls, I couldn't do it. I didn't masturbate until I was 27. I didn't anything. I was so frightened of what would happen if I had a good time that I would you know put myself in situations time and time again that were dangerous so I would live out the same trauma to try and understand it and I think that 
that and it well it's recognized in the British there's a British medical journal um study in 2019 that talks about sexual competency and it talks about how that people from low-income households or people from kind of like marginalized backgrounds or in remote areas if they're working class all these things if you come from these backgrounds and then you begin to have sex um before sexual competency and sexual competency isn't measured um particularly well it just means that you understand i think three or four different points about having sex to 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 register as sexually competent if you start doing that before that time you then end up re rehashing the same thing over and over again and it can happen it can be lifelong so and this is just measured against straight people so if you imagine then the first contact for people who are bisexual or gay or you know or lesbian or who who feel that they are trans like that's a huge thing that's a really really big thing to happen and for you to not have an avenue to go to to talk about that what if i liked girls but was having a really difficult time with a boy the boy thing would probably have to be dealt with first because nobody would know what to do with the girl thing. There was nobody in my family at the time that I knew was gay that I could talk to about even a part of that world. All my family were kind of straight presenting, heteronormative, got married, had kids, you know, so that there wasn't the space to discuss those things. Hopefully now with, you know, millennials coming through and being a bit kind of worn out, <laughs> I think, by life, that there will be more of a compassion and understanding because it is confusing and I hate that label that bisexual people are just confused and they don't know what they want and they're this and they're that but I was confused I was so confused I did not I didn't have a bloody clue about any of it or what to do with it and I would just watch the conversations happening about other people who were bisexual and the way that they would talk about them and I was so so terrified of being called a slut or a slag or easy because I already had so much shame about having sex so young and having more than one sexual partner by the time I was 16 that I was like I can't have that attributed to me as well no one will talk to me no one will be my friend right now I'm still fun and I'm a bit you know edgy or whatever and I've had two boyfriends and I'm 16 but I can't have that too I cannot explore that and then that repression that then hitting like a huge then we need to talk about bisexual mental health right because there are no studies into it that I can find about bisexual mental health throughout the ages but what we do know from looking at studies into LG, well LGBTQ culture but with no specific sect around bisexuality because it's a really difficult thing to put quantitative parameters around and then you know measure and get into the the grit of it all we do know that um gay lesbian and especially transgendered people have a really horrific time growing up no matter where they live no matter who they are whether they come from high economic areas with um, loads of opportunity and growth they might not have as terrible a time doesn't mean they don't have a terrible time trying to understand who they are and where they fit in and how they fit in and to remove all the stigmas that are attached to them before they've even had a chance to acknowledge it in themselves to begin with I, it, it just blows my mind, all of it. I could go on and on and on and on. <laughs> Sorry, I realise I've just been talking for a really long time. <laughs> no, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. We have to have you on again. Um, <laughs> I'm sure we will. Um, but going back to the porn side of things then, um, yeah. obviously you've, in this in, this article you've, you've researched and you've spoken to quite a lot of different people. What's the take then from the ethical porn side of things when it comes to 
bisexual porn. I made a documentary a few years ago with Nikki, actually, um, Nikki Hodgson, about um, ethical porn. Um, but I don't think we could, we didn't actually cover bisexual porn. Shame, shamefully, we should have done it. We didn't at the time. We didn't have enough time in the pro, in the program to do it. But but what was what's the message around bisexual porn? And can and is there such a thing as ethical bisexual porn that's out there that we can people can watch? I think that's a really good question. And the truth is, yes, uh, there is uh, ethical bisexual porn. But I think there's not many representations of bisexual sex with just one partner because that immediately gets labeled as gay or straight because of the heteronormative lens that it's immediately put into it's really hard so that mfm or you know whichever combination of of threesome or gangbang that's happening that is generally the the framework for bisexuality to sit in do I think it's a good thing or a bad thing? I don't know. I think that there needs to be different representation of bisexuality elsewhere. And then we can start to unpick what bisexuality means in porn in a different way. But to understand ethical porn, what we have to understand are the parameters of what ethical porn, ethical porn is. And that is that all the performers are paid fairly, that they are looked after that um, everyone down from the production crew to the people getting coffee on the day, everyone is um, treated with care, respect, and are made sure that they're, you know, they go through proper health checks and screenings and well-being, all this stuff. The kind of stuff that you'd expect from any job, right? Because sex work is a job at the end of the day. So, um, so yeah, ethical bisexual porn. You can watch it and you can watch it on pay-per-view sites. So, Erica Last Cinema is a great place if you're looking for specific films that feature bisexuality or elements of bisexuality is probably a better way of framing it. Um, as well as Lustery, Frolic.me, these are all places you can look. Um, I also spoke in the article with um, Poppy Lapora, who owns a boutique uh, sex toy shop that I shop at mercilessly <laughs> um, called Self and More. And she um, spoke to me for the article and said that, you know, one of the best ways that you can look at bisexual sex is to go on, go to go to people who are bisexual and look at their OnlyFans, even though there's still that performative element to it. At least the pleasure that is being performed is bisexual. But then on speaking with um, the founder of Lustery, you know, it was it was obvious it was evident that bisexuality needs these very specific terms for it to be found as well i mean these these ethical porn companies are up against huge very boring seo challenges where you know people are searching for things and the free stuff's coming up and coming up and coming up because there are links because there is volume um and because there's constantly new content all the time and it's free so the clicks drive that even further so when you're trying to get something that is ethical by name and by nature i think that it comes at this kind of clash of, well, obviously it's a company, it needs to make money, it needs to move forward. But then you also have the issue of how are people going to be able to find it um, for it to be a thing. And I think it's better to have ethical porn than not ethical porn at the end of the day. Don't we need, I mean, I've, I've thought this for a long time, to be honest, don't we need more, you know, because if you watch a, I've watched film, a film recently, actually, about, it was about a man and a woman, and it was very well done, and it was set in the probably the early 2000s it was really romantic and um both the both the couple were very attractive and um and there was sex in it and the sex was relatively explicit but 
there was something really attractive about watching that relationship unfold and seeing them finally end up in bed together and the tur- there was a turn on of watching that relationship as opposed to just two people having sex. Yeah. So, you know, do we do we actually need really more um films, more, you know, porn plus we could call it i suppose where actually you explore people's relationships and of course that would help very much when it comes to bisexual stuff because you could understand and hear the conversations and find out what people's uh how people saw themselves and because you know the thing about being bi is there's so many people of varying degrees of lots of different things you know there's so many people there are quite a lot of men who are often more sexually attracted to women but they feel more comfortable with men in terms of, you know, the, the sensual side of things and the affection and that side of things, or vice versa. You know, there's lots of people who, who are, you know, bisexuality is not, it's not one size fits all, is it? You know what I mean? So do we need, what I'm saying is, do we really, what we really need, I suppose, is something where the emotions and the, the extra side of, of of sexuality comes out don't we because you know i always remember when i was when i was um you know enjoying myself as a as a 20 something going out and enjoying myself um mainly in the gay world at the time um i always felt really lonely at the end of a a night i might even have pulled i felt just felt just empty completely empty yeah the sex was all right but the sex was really a means to an end the sex was not about just having sex the sex was really about having a relationship it was a relationship i wanted and you know and then i've got into relationships and you'll probably know in relationships often the sex isn't the be all and end all and it doesn't matter that much at all uh, but actually what you've done is you've 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 conquered that bit and got over the hurdle and you've got that love and affection and that's what matters more than anything else and i think it's it, they're the missing missing links, aren't they? That's what we haven't got, and what people because I think most people who are out there who go you know watch porn or whatever, the vast majority of people are probably looking for they're looking for love, aren't they? A lot of them, a lot of them are looking for a hug more oh. than more than the actual sex in, in a know, way. Maybe I think you know again going back to the lens in which a lot of this kind of mainstream porn is put under, it's very. And I hate again this this um, saying, but I don't have the language to to look at it any other way. But it's very manly. It's very you know, it's very aggressive. It's very testosterone driven. Even the gay porn is very testosterone driven. There isn't this room for softness, for touch, for development, for foreplay, to lead to penetration, or to not go to it at all. There's no room for that because that puts us in a space where we need to accept some level of vulnerability, some level that we feel a need for love. And to accept a need for love is to accept that perhaps, you know, that's a bit girly, or that's a bit gay, or that's a bit this, and that's a bit that. And then this misogynistic lens comes back and fights you, goes, no, I want to see tight pussy, big dick. I want to see da, da, da. And then all these huge search terms come in, and then you're, you're back at square one because you're so ashamed of wanting something that is completely human, completely normal, that doesn't put you in a position of vulnerability whatsoever. It actually puts you in a a huge position of strength, puts you in a position where you have the opportunity to seek joy in relationships rather than 
inflict pain or inflict, you know, hurt somebody. And obviously, we all have fantasies. There are there are so many different ways that they can be fulfilled, and porn is just one of them. But I think that if we had the option in porn to see to see more tenderness, perhaps to see more, you know, um, I don't know, niceness. What's wrong with that? You know, a lot of it is geared towards this unsafe practices and just generally being a bit ick that if you're just showing risky porn and then some young person who has no education, who has no um, cultural grounding for what that sex looks like outside of this one experience, then monkey see, monkey do. And whoever the monkey does it to is going to end up really, really hurt. Yeah, well, I think I've I've invented new terms tonight. Buy, we we need, we need porn plus. That's what we need. Porn yes. plus. <laughs> so there you go. So we, you're going to invent porn plus some films that have got a bit of emotion in them. I, I, yeah, I, yeah. It, it's um, well, if we, we've just put the world to rights tonight in a few minutes, really, and it, it's it's not it's <laughs> it's not it's not rocket science, really, is it? In a way. But it seems that the world takes a long time to sort of to come to these things. So um, well, it's really interesting talking to you, Katie. Um, before we finish, one of the things that we tend to ask just about almost everybody that we interview, um, because we often talk about, you know, woe is life, oh, this, that and the other. Blah. But the most important thing is you are bisexual. You are out as bisexual. Um, presumably you're a happy bisexual. I would say, I would say for the most part, yes. <laughs> what, so what, what would you say, for anybody listening to this, what's the best thing about being bi? Um, the community, when you find it. It's really hard to find. And it took me until my very late 20s to find a touch point for it. But the moment I found my bisexual people and I was able to really you know, shake off the shame of it and live openly and outwardly and be accepted by my partner who is straight. Um, there's nothing quite like it. And there's nothing as freeing as feeling totally yourself. So be yourself. <laughs> so just touching on that briefly. So we, we often talk about this, about the bi community and whether there is one and whether, well, obviously there are a lot of people out there who are bi, but it's actually quite difficult often to connect with people who are bi. So Lewis, Nikki and I have probably only got, on, we can count on one hand, uh, only a few people that we could literally go out tonight and go and meet and chat to who are bisexual. Is that the same for you? Or have you managed to build up a fairly big number of friends who are bi? I mean, when you say your bi community, what does your bi community exist, exist of? Um, so my bi community is built on poetry, built on um, literature, built on sharing. It's strange. Um, I came to writing and bisexuality quite later on. Um, and I think it was the year of, oh, my God, this is who I am. Cool. Uh, <laughs> and when when I finally did that, I, I, I think I naturally gravitated towards people that I was in awe of or in admiration of at least so I have um quite a few friends of mine who are also writers who um have written some incredible columns and you know incredible 
pieces on what bisexuality means and what community means and like you say do bisexual people have a community and the, and yes of course we do it's just not as well documented we don't have the tropes attached to it that we feel are more kind of you know representational I mean, I don't know. I hope you've heard of this. Otherwise, I'm going to sound really silly. But the trope, you know, the the understanding that bisexual people can't sit on things properly. They've always got chip nail varnish. Um, <laughs> you know, that they were all emo kids. All this kind of stuff, you know. And I think, I think there's something in that. And that, like trying to find the visual language of bisexuality is a really tough thing to do. Um, because obviously we know that sexuality has no, has no appearance. It appears in many different ways and forms. Um, but yeah, sorry, that was a roundabout way of answering your question, I think. And I hope I did answer it. <laughs> but I, th I think that you're right. I mean, we had a guy on not so long ago, Lewis Hopkins, young lad from uh, um, just up the road from Manchester here. In, I think he was in Wigan, 20, 22, 23 years old, who's a jeweller and, and uh, a very good jeweller, actually. And he's he's managed to get to know people through through that community all over all over Britain, all over the world, I think. And uh, But what he likes about it is the fact that he's got something in common more than just the sexuality. sexuality. And I think that's really important. I think when I was starting out in the, mainly in the gay world, the only thing people had in common was being gay or bi. You know what I mean? It was, it was, and, and you can't, you can't build relationships on that really can no you? because your whole identity can't be fixed on this one thing you're made up of so many different things your interests your likes your dislikes your background your socioeconomic kind of standing in society your your politics your religion we are all intersectional and we all hit at different intersections and bisexuality is just one of those things that makes us up it doesn't make it any less important than any of those other things it's equally as important and i think that we need to find a way so that people can understand what that means. And I think for us to be able to communicate what that means, we need to stop the violence, the miseducation, the misunderstanding. And I think we need more representation, 100%. Yeah, no, we absolutely do. We absolutely do. So thank you, Katie. Thank you very much indeed for joining us. If anybody wants to read the article in full, they can just go to where? Mashable? How do you, was it just mashable.co.uk, is it? Or? So it's mashable.com and it's part of their Porn Week series. Um, there's loads of really other excellent articles in there on pornography. But obviously, I would love everyone to read mine um, and learn a little bit more about what um, bisexual porn means, how it bleeds into real life and what we can do to consume more ethical porn. Fantastic. Katie, lovely to talk to you. Thank you. So that was Katie uh, Baskerville um, talking about uh, by porn and whether or not it's... Um, problematic or not what do you think lewis do you think it's problematic i mean we, we've discussed it before and you know certainly and i remember nikki thinking it was quite fake um a lot of it um, um what's your what's your take on it oh i don't really know i feel i feel slightly conflicted on this one on the one hand, her article and interviews, obviously from the bi women perspective, which obviously I haven't experienced. So I do understand this whole, it's for male titillation, this idea of making a man feel like an even bigger man because he's got two women. Whereas I think probably from our side, you know, it's weird when you said bisexual porn, I envisioned two men and a and a woman so it wasn't this necessarily oh a man just being this big man with these his beds full of women because he's so attractive um so i think there is an issue there and obviously you know in that article she does talk about um the the in partner violence and the the more likely you are to suffer 
sexual assault as a bisexual person. So I don't want to underplay any of that because it is very real. And I guess if you were a straight man watching porn, you know, the argument could be, you know, you're you're seen reaffirming that, yeah, well, two women should want to get it on for you and perform for you. I think she's also saying when it comes to the whole side of things of, you know, two men and a woman, as it were, or whatever, that um, that, that there's this focus very much on the whole thing of uh, 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 of penetration. And what she's saying is that bisexual sexuality and bisexual connection sex is so much more than that. And we don't actually get to explore that. And that's the only thing that matters. And that's that everyone's competing on that score and that it's not, you know, it's not, but it shouldn't be about that. And, and that it's, um, there's something about, you know, it's, a, it's about conquering things all the time and that, you know, and that, and that actually the, 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 the porn, which is about with, with two men can be quite, that side of it is quite aggressive as well. And, you know what I mean? So what she's saying, I suppose, is that if that's the only... But then are these other two, what she's talking about, are the two men kissing and interacting? Because that's the other thing. If it's two men teaming up on a woman, that's very different to they're all taking their turn. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I, I mean, think... because I, I think there's a big, there's a there's quite a big difference in what you could get in in bisexual porn, right? Yes. So that you know, and the there's this one guy. It's it's funny actually. There's a one guy that has reached out to me, and I forget his name now, so I apologize if he found me through the podcast. He's listening right now. But he does buy porn. Um, and so he's followed me on Twitter and reached out. And you know where you like courtesy follow someone back? And now I'll just be scrolling innocently through Twitter. And then there he is having sex with a guy and a woman. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> I don't know what to do about this. If I unfollow him, he's going to think that I don't like him anymore. But also, I can't keep having this porn pop up all the time. Um it's a modern day conundrum. <laughs> anyway, but so I I think probably because that's the only bit of bisexual porn I really see on a regular basis. Um, where it is, you know, there are men penetrating each other, you know, that it's like a human centipede and there's a woman in there somewhere too. So it's not so I don't know. I think everyone sees what they want to see, but what I'm trying to get at is bisexual porn is quite vast. Now you might say, yeah, that's great, but 80% of it is about men getting gratification from women whether that's two men having sex with a woman or whether it's a man having sex with two women women i think that it's quite interesting and maybe realistic and we could probably call it bisexual porn if the two men are having sex as well and i think that that's quite an interesting thing that i think you can't really argue does tackle a bit of the biphobia because it's kind of like being like, well, to these people, like, well, you, you you, know, it's impossible. You can't be attracted to men and women. We'll show them a three minute clip of a guy having a dick in his bum and then having sex with a woman at the same time. It's like, well, he's clearly enjoying that. His dick's hard, isn't it? Um, so I don't know. At the same time, how much should we really be reading into porn as some sort of arbitral or guiding thing on anything? It's there to make people come. And it's a substitute for a partner. It's it's by its nature, it's unhealthy. It's it is junk food, you know. And I know that there are a lot of sex positive people out there that would probably beg to argue with me. Um, and I'm sure porn use can be can be used in positive ways. But at the set, it's it would be like you know us having a conversation about how healthy is a McDonald's burger. <laughs> it's like well, it's not really, but it tastes good, and you know everything in moderation. 
Yeah, I mean, I personally think that um, I'm going to take the opposite view to you. I think porn can be. Go on, then. Can be... <laughs> I thought we, we don't often disagree, actually, you and I. I think porn can... I would love us to disagree more. <laughs> we get more views. <laughs> I think I think porn can be, po- can be a positive thing and can be a good thing. Um, I just think that um, we we need a little bit more. I mean, I came up with this when I, when I was doing the interview, which people will have heard uh, by this point. Um, I said I came up with this thing of we need we need porn plus because actually um, the, the representation of bisexuality in film and TV and whatever is very little. We've talked about Heartstopper early on, which is great, but there isn't much actual emotion in in anything that's portrays bisexuality. And so it'd be quite nice to have, we talk about ethical porn, don't we? But it'd be nice to have some kind of, um, I suppose, erotic stories or porn that explores the relationships a little bit more. Because you can be in a situation whereby you're watching a man and a woman having sex or two men having sex and be completely unaware that the actual person is bisexual. I mean, we we discussed, didn't we, on the, on the last show where um, somebody uh, contacted us for Ask a Bisexual who was talking about, the whole issue of their partner, their gay partner, being um, really obsessed with the fact that they were bisexual and that they'd had relationships with women, and that was a big turn-on for him. And yet when it came mm. to actually being asked, you know, would you actually like to go down the route of having a threesome? Oh, no, that was uh, that was, that was was horror for him. So so that's in, that's interesting. And if we could, you know, if we had, some, had a bit of, um, you know, portrayal of that, you know, somebody in a, let's say, in a, in a gay-facing relationship, with a boyfriend who's you know who's obsessed with the fact that uh, his partner's had sex with women and we can explore those kind of things because I don't think that gets explored a lot in porn actually interestingly I think the conversations that people have in the bedroom are equally as important sometimes as the actual doing aren't they really do you know what I mean it's quite it's not just about I love that you <laughs> I love that you like I just want a backstory I need to know their motivation for having sex I don't think you're going to get it, Ash, to be honest. I think that porn clips are getting shorter and shorter with this bite-sized generation. They just, like, sum up, sum it up in three minutes. Go. I don't think you're going to get these lovely backstories you want. You love a nice story. (laughs) Never mind. (laughs) You're probably probably right. You're probably right. But but it's interesting, isn't it? Because on the serious side of this for a second, um, and this is where I will take, you know, I will agree with you to an extent and also agree with, uh, with, with, with Katie, for some people out there, um, bisexual porn is probably the only representation of bisexuality they see at all. And that's quite worrying, isn't it? Well, yeah, and I think it goes to visibility point of view, because I've often said in articles, you know, if I walk down the street holding a woman's hand, I'm straight. If I walk down the street holding a man's hand, I'm gay. What am I supposed to do? Hold a man and a woman? And then that feeds into the whole, you know, you're, you're mad sex crazed people. Um, and I think that that is an issue because the majority of bisexual people are probably, you know, they're probably only two people in a bed. There's yeah. probably not three all the time. So, uh, you know, I do think it is, it's a bit of a, it's slightly unrealistic if you're a bi person turning to porn to try and find yourself. Again, it's probably not the most healthiest medium. I mean, I'm sure there are loads of great by novels or podcasts you can listen to <laughs> to get a better understanding of bisexuality. But, you know, it's it's there. It's going to be looked at um, and it's going to have an impact. But 
Then I don't know, because, you know, I, I, I'm sure that we've all seen porn where we're all so equally like, oh, God, no. But I don't I, I wouldn't want that, actually. Um, so I don't know. Like, doesn't just because you watch porn doesn't mean you like exactly everything that's happening on the screen and you want to replicate it. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, it was interesting what Katie had to say. Uh, if anybody wants to get in touch with us and let us know what they think, please do. Uh, you can read her article on Mashable.com, and that's Katie Baskerville, who I think is going to come on the show uh, again at some point in the future. Uh, thanks, Katie, for talking to us all about that. So um, coming up shortly, uh, we'll have our Ask a Bisexual feature, and we'll also uh, be having another bisexual journey story, as we do on every every show. But um, uh, let's talk just very briefly um Lewis, uh, about a little bit of controversy that ended up on in some social media recently to do with um, bisexual women and lesbians and things. I, I, without yeah, getting into some... too much detail, what what was it all about? So I, 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 I can't recall this woman's name and I can't use my phone because I'm recording off it. <laughs> um, but what it is is basically this bisexual TikToker and she made a video looking at why... I, a lot of bi women end up with men talking about different elements, but then basically concluded on, I think it was something like, and, and lesbians are scary or something like that. And TikTok, I think, saw a, a bit of a massive boom on it of like, why, why have you said like lesbians are scary or aggressive or whatever she said? Um, and she's had to take the video down, actually. Right. It's right. an odd one. It's an odd one with this. Do you want to say something? Well, I <laughs> I know we're treading on, treading on eggshells with this one. I think the gist of it was, from what I could tell, was that um, she was having a bit of a moan at um, some people suggesting that a lot of bisexual women end up in relationships with men uh, rather than with women. And what she was trying to suggest, I think, was that it's it, it's just it's just easier to do that um, for lots of different reasons. A lot of it being the fact that, you know, uh, the general um, sort of um, norm in society is that men and men and women end up together. And there's a whole, the whole thing about having kids as well. So the chances are they'll probably end up with a man as well. But then she also said, and this was the anger grenade, I think was that actually there are a lot of uh, lesbians, gay women who just are not, understanding about bisexual people and don't get it and that sometimes they're antagonistic and that um, that's often a problem and sometimes puts bisexual women off. I think that was really it in a nutshell, really. Um, now, I suppose it goes to the fact, and we can, we can talk about this from the male side, can't we? The fact that there is an issue, a massive issue still, <laughs> within the LGBT community around bisexuality and the L and the G in particular not necessarily getting it. Uh, I think the T, I think the tra trans people are streets ahead of L and G on this. Uh, there's loads of people who are bisexual in the trans community and in the non-binary community as well. They get it, I think, by and large, most of them, um, who I know. Um, but I think there's a lot of education still to be done among lesbian and gay people. And it's quite, it's ridiculous, really, in 2022, isn't it? We shouldn't be in that situation now whereby uh, lesbians and gay people and bi people are at odds over accepting sexuality. What do you think? 
Well, there's a lot of things that shouldn't be in 2022, but here we are. Um, So I really come at this from kind of a sympathetic thing as someone who the mob has tried to cancel a lot of times and someone who's had things taken out of context more times than he cares to remember. The amount of times I've opened my Twitter to just reams of, you idiot, you've said this. And we've, so I think it's hard as a bisexual content creator to always keep everyone happy. That's why I don't bother doing it anymore. I just say what I think. But, you know, anyone could clip something from bisexual brunch and be like, have you heard what they've said? Blah, blah, blah. So I kind of take that tack on it. You know, we are having in-depth discussions about bisexuality. We don't always get it right. Sometimes we're sounding things out ourselves in our head. Sometimes we probably listen back to all the episodes and not even agree with ourselves then. And that's just the reality of we're having conversations and it's 2022. We're having conversations with the world because hopefully there are people out there that want to listen to these kind of discussions, consume this kind of content, and that it helps in some way. And I don't think that our listeners tune in to us because we're the arbiters of bisexuality or because we get everything absolutely right. Sometimes it's just nice to hear other bisexual people discussing it and, and sharing their own opinions. So the fact that someone's going to be cancelled for that, I'm so team her. That said, not all lesbians are out to get bisexuals. But that said, you know, we like, like you say, I mean, the statistics are pretty clear. They've done research on this. The LGBT is one of the most biphobic places you could find yourself. There are some issues there that, that that need to be addressed. And if her experience is that, you know, she's found lesbians to be problematic towards bisexuals, and that's her experience. Yeah. Um, and maybe going after her and attacking her isn't the best way to convince her otherwise. No. Um, so she took it down. I would, you know, I, I'm a big fan of Leave It Up. Um <laughs> If ever we got into masses troubles and you messaged me like, should we take the episode of by such a branch type? Yeah, absolutely not. Let's put it on. Let's let's play it in like as many places as we can find. Get it on the radio. I don't know. I I just I just don't think that cancelling or being aggressive because someone has an opinion you don't like is the right thing to do. It would have been a nicer response if we could have highlighted some of the many lesbian people out there that are in relationships with bi women or the many lesbians out there that have really played a, a really strong role in, in furthering by visibility and by discussion or whatever it is. So there were other ways to have dealt with it if you were offended by it. So yeah. that's kind of where I'm at on it. But obviously we don't come from a neutral position on this. We run the risk every episode of being cancelled or pissing people off. Yes. And that does that's something that we consider, I guess. Well, just to balance it again, like you have there, I, I absolutely agree. And, and there are lots of gay guys and gay women who are very supportive of bisexuals. And, you know, the fantastic thing about Heartstopper, which I'll come back to that film, that TV series again, is that the gay lad in it is really, really supportive right from the, the beginning. There is no questioning whatsoever by him of his partner's sexuality in any way, shape or form. In fact, he helps him in a way to come to terms with what sexuality is. And I think that was that's really well, heart, really heartening to see, really. And and I and I know what an unrealistic of... portrayal. Sorry, what an unrealistic portrayal. <laughs> joking, Maybe... joking. Well, it pro- well, joking. well, it could be to to for a lot of people. I mean, I, I've come across lots of antagonistic gays. Luckily, my boy, my boyfriend, my partner is extremely positive about bisexuality to the to the extent that he constantly questions whether or not he's bisexual himself. <laughs> Even though he's he's definitely not, but every time he listens to this program, he comes comes he comes, he gets to the end of it and thinks, 
Am I? Maybe, 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 maybe. Oh, I'm not sure. <laughs> so, so. Well, um, <laughs> one I, question I, I did want to ask you on this go on. is because the reason we're talking about this is not because we're like keen um, TikTok users and we're, and, and we're in and we're in on it and we know. Yeah, we know about this because it was reported in the news. Exactly. Um, and I think it's quite interesting that out of all the stories and all the things I pitch. That uh, a bisexual being seen to be anti-lesbian is the thing that's been picked up, reported. Yeah. And when you look, because I have news alerts for bisexuality, as you know, I like to keep up on the latest research and the latest things that are happening in in the space. And I would say eighty percent of all the articles around bisexuality are entertainment focused. Yes, it's always all oh, a new superhero might be bisexual or this was done in a TV show or this happened on social media. And I just think it's quite out of all the things, I think it's so odd that, that that's really where bisexuality has a place, which is in entertainment. Yes. Yes. It's interesting. And I, it? I know that people wouldn't really see social media as the, as specifically entertainment, but I think it, it fits the same vein of it. I just think it's odd that this was a story. Yes. Yes, no, you're right. In the news. You're absolutely right. I don't think it was a massive story. It was just picked out by a couple of uh, particular websites that went for it. And, you know, it's it sort of, uh, but, it, but you're right. It's, it's still one of the only, one of the few things in the last month or so that's been highlighted. If you put Google, put bisexual into Google, you'll come up with it, you know. So there's not many, you're right, you're right there's not many, not many things out there. And this is the kind of thing that, is getting some traction. So again, it's it's it's. Well, this like, is what we need to do. We need to have some Twitter wars to to, to get some visibility. Apparently, you're listening to Bisexual Brunch. Now, still to come on this packed edition of Bisexual Brunch, we're sort of marking uh, Bi Pride Month, Week, Day, whatever you want to call it, in September. So it's a bumper edition of Bisexual Brunch this time. And we've got plenty more to come. We've got Ask a Bisexual much later in the show. Uh, We've also got our bisexual journey story as well, of course. This time it's from Paul in the West Midlands, who's 47. And he's going to be talking to us about his a bisexual um, journey. A few years ago, he came out to his uh, his wife and uh, as bisexual. He's going to be telling us about that experience uh, over the past few years. Um, and we'll also be hearing all about uh, Bi Pride, uh, which hits London this weekend, early September, uh, but which um, you can experience uh, online uh, in different ways uh, for the weekend and for the rest of the month. We're hearing about that as well. Before all of that, there was something specific, um, Lewis, I wanted to talk to you about. Um, Not specifically bisexuality this time, but certainly about being LGBT. I don't know if you saw um, the film that was made uh, by uh, Tom Daly, um, the, the diver. Uh, he made a film right, a, yeah. a few weeks ago now. I didn't see it, but I read the articles about it. <laughs> he, he made a film a few weeks ago now. If you remember rightly, Tom Daly actually came out as bisexual originally and then realised he was gay. Um, but did he? But did he? he? I don't think he ever actually used the word bisexual, did he? I think he said he could have been at the time and then he turned. He realised he was he, he was gay. But anyway, that's that, that that's beside the point. Nice guy. I think, you know, I think he's done a lot of good for, um, you know, the, the whole gay side of things in terms of, as a role model, great guy, and all the rest of it. Um, but anyway, he did this this, uh, this this documentary about the Commonwealth and about all the Commonwealth countries and the fact that 
quite a lot of Commonwealth countries still, uh, sadly, uh, persecute people who are LGBT. And uh, one of those countries is uh, Jamaica, which I know you've got um, your, your, you know, your half Jamaican. Is that right? If I remember right? Quarter. Quarter. Quarter Jamaican. So, um, and he, he sort of, it was quite interesting because his take on it, he went, I think he went to Jamaica or he chatted to Jamaicans and talked about where it all come from and why Jamaica was very much anti, uh, anti-gay. Uh, and a lot of it, he went back through history and he talked about um, the, the links to the empire and all the rest of it. And, you know, bearing in mind, not just the British Empire, but lots of other empires around the world had, you know, horrific rules and laws and, and all the rest of it. And, and he, he more or less sort of blamed it on that and that history and that heritage as to why people still have the same attitudes around nowadays uh, to homosexuality uh, in particular uh, and bisexuality, I suppose, um, uh, as they, you know, now as they as they did way, way back. But I, I didn't buy it. And I, I wanted to get your take on this. I mean, Jamaica's been independent now for 60 years. And that's a long time for that country to... To reform and to change, and um, at, for attitudes to to alter, and I just wonder whether or not it's not just about that history and heritage linked to the linked to the British Empire. And by the way, Britain was one of the first countries to start um, decriminalising and legalising things. And as you know, fifty years ago, we you know, gay sex became decriminalised, um, and now we're in a situation whereby there's gay marriage and all the rest of it. So Britain's come on a long way since then. But these countries haven't followed suit. And is it more to do with religious fundamentalism and the issues around those kind of attitudes than it is around the general history? And I just wanted to get your thoughts on it, because I know you've talked about Jamaica and going back there and all the rest of it. And, you know, if you went yeah. there, it's a, it's a risk for you, isn't it? It's a risk uh, to go there. Yeah, it is. I, I, my name told me i couldn't go so really <laughs> that was that um anyway so basically where do i where do i film this i i would caveat this with saying i'm just a, i'm just a, a simple bisexual i'm not <laughs> what i think we probably need to get a good answer on this which would be i guess a behavioral psychologist so i can kind of see the point of like the empire intervened in the in the running of this country and then has left and, and gone away. I don't know. I probably do go more on the side of you can't blame it on wholly on that because you've had all this time now to move with the times. And if you're saying, you know, these homophobic people came in and made us all homophobic, well, they're not even homophobic themselves anymore. They, you know, there's prides up and down the street. You can't move for prides and gay people now. Britain, Britain so, is one. Britain is like, one. Britain you, is one of the most liberal countries in the world. To be fair, really, at the end of the day, yeah, you know, exactly. So I, I don't know how much I'm trying to think of something you could compare it to, but I don't think you can really compare what happened back in those days to anything. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I. I, I, I probably lean more on the side on, no, you've been standing on your own feet long enough. Your homophobia is your own choice, not because something that happened in the past. Um, but I also don't know how much gazing into history and trying to blame everyone really solves the problem. The problem is there are LGBT people that can't be out. 
that are in fear of their lives that in some places face actual arrest and imprisonment. That's really what we need to deal with. This whole distraction of, oh, well, it's really our fault and all, all of this stuff. And, the, and we need to go back in history and look at all this. I don't think we do. Let's look at 2022 and look at what's going on now and see what we can realistically do to really help the LGBT people there rather than having this, what it became was this bit of a media discussion, the right-wing press eyes blaming us and, and the left-wing press being like, it is our fault. I don't think that we really, this is such a British thing that we start to blame each other and then we just have this massive argument about who's to blame. Let's put our own egos and stuff to the side and say, actually, what can we do right now in 2022 to make the lives of these people better? What can we do to lobby the governments there to be able to see that, you know, they don't need to be this way anymore? Um, that's what I think we probably need to get to. Right? So, so I'm, like, I, I'm basically just sidestepping the whole discussion. <laughs> but I did give you some some sort of take on it. No, you're abs- I think you're right. I think you're right. I think all this uh, navel-gazing, looking back at history, every country in the world, Every country has got um, things that they are ashamed of. Uh, you know, there wasn't just the British Empire. There was loads of other empires. You know, every loads of big, big countries in the world had empires, didn't they? And they all had things that, mm. they're, you know, that they're, they're, they're ashamed of. What I find bizarre about it is we're going through this, this thing in Britain at the moment, probably like Germany did at one point, of, of looking back at our past and sort of thinking, oh, my God, what dreadful things have we done or whatever. But nobody's got nobody's got round to the Scandinavians, have they? Um, they they raped and pillaged mm-hmm. the United Kingdom, uh, Great Britain, for thousands of years as Vikings. <laughs> we, yeah, I don't know how <laughs> I don't know how I feel about it. I was raised to be really patriotic, I guess, because yeah. uh, and I was going the grandparents, right? So on the one side of my family, which is the white side of the family, like they very clearly remember being children and having bombs dropped to either side and your mom waking you up and the Germans were attacking and stuff. And so they really had this strong sense of patriotism, like we had to fight for the country. On the other side of the family, which is the more Jamaican side, you know, I have my granddad that left Jamaica, left his homeland to come to England because he thought it was this amazing place and he built his family here and stayed. So from both sides of the family, and this is very a mixed race thing, it's like there is this strong patriotism for different reasons for for the country yeah and i just think when we look back it's it i think it like everything it's a balance you don't want to look back and just kind of be like this is the greatest country ever and we've never done anything wrong you know purse the deniers out with the traitors that you don't want to be that far gone but equally looking back and being like oh my god we used to do this and we used to do that and we used to do that like that i i just don't know how helpful that is like if if that were a normal, if that were just a, a regular person, if all I could tell you about was all the mistakes I'd ever made in the past, you'd probably be like, oh my God, like you need to look at some of the good and balance that out, right? Like that's not healthy for you to see all of your past yeah. as this really negative stain on the world. And I think that we probably do need to do that because to, to be honest, it, by today's standards, everyone was horrible in the past, you know, like even in my lifetime, it was elite. The year I was born, 1991, it was still legal to rape your wife. Yeah. Like, I mean, just mad, like the, there are mad ways, but, you know, I don't think all of those people are particularly evil that came before us. Um, 
And I also think they're probably of their time. And I think it was all, you know, probably steps in evolution. And we, you know, we now know that we can't do that. That's terrible. And equally, they'll look back in 300 years and think that we, we were horrible people. I really think that it will be about meat as well. I think that people that were known to have eaten meat, they'll be the ones having their statues pulled down in 300 years. Probably right, I think, yeah. it, I think stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. I think stuff we can't even comprehend now that we're doing is bad. Like, they will just think we were just the worst people ever. Yeah, Which no, is funny, because all we do all day, clearly, is just talk about who's the nicest people and who hasn't been nice and who was nice in the past and who wasn't. So I don't know. I just think we have to crack on with today and stop worrying so much about the past and maybe just try and look at the good of it. Because whether you like it or not, it all happened. Whether you like it or not, we're probably all the result of rape at yeah. some point down the line. Well, we, you know, we've probably all been raised at some point by a murderer. You know, <laughs> it, it, this is just... This is just the reality of being a human being. And this is the story of how we got here. And yeah. it's, it doesn't make it right. But I don't think we need to walk around particularly feeling guilty. I don't know. I mean, you know, and there are things that need to be fixed and there are things that have happened, yeah. obviously, where it's like, but that's that's put certain people at a bit of a disadvantage. I think um, I think that we need to look at. So, of course, we do. But it's still I don't know how much we need to spend all of our time talking about all the mistakes of the past. It's just not that useful. I agree. I absolutely agree with all of what you said, actually. Um, 100 percent. And I think that. um we need to be talking about now and about how we improve things. And you're right that you know everyone's made mistakes. Every every society, every country, everyone makes mistakes. But I think what the good thing that's come out of our connections as countries, however much we're connected for particular reasons, whether you know obviously the Commonwealth is 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 what you know is the countries that most mostly the countries that uh, were part of what was an empire, um, but. There are, there are good things that have come out of those connections that we all now have. You know, we're, we're in a country in Britain which is very multicultural. Um, I mean, you're from a city, uh, Birmingham. You come from Birmingham, which is probably the most multicultural city in the UK. Um, and um, you're a product of that um, in terms of you as a person, aren't you, really? Because Birmingham was where loads of people came and mixed and the different different you know, races mixed together, and you know, lo and behold, there's lots well, of. This Lewis is the thing. My upbringing is my upbringing. I always say is is probably what everyone nowadays aims for with yes. their like massive focus on diversity. Like I really didn't even really understand what race was until yes. I was a lot older because it everyone was different. Yes. My granddad was black. My mom was mixed race. My, you know, my dad is white, and and. Not just that, but in that community in the Midlands, like yeah. everyone is Sikh or Muslim or white or black or, uh, you know, just so like literally. So, you know, when there's just that much variation, yes. you just don't see it and you don't even think about it and you probably just take it for granted. And then it's weird. Then you move to a city like London. They're all like, well, we need more brown people. We need more this. We need more that. I'm like. Oh, I just wouldn't have even yeah. thought about I, it. I, that, I've just, I guess it's just my unique upbringing. I've just made a program about about Birmingham and the West Midlands, and I think it is a very you know I'm going to sing you praises as, as a part of the world. I think it's a very uh, unique city because it has all of that. Most of the people I was interviewing was about music and things, but they were they grew up around so many different cultures and music and food and everything that, as you say. Um, that whole thing about everyone goes about diversity now. You've lived with diversity from 
from when you were born. And I think it's... I, think I it's... know. I really do think that they should put... They, no one should be in charge of diversity unless you were raised in the Midlands, but I guess <laughs> that's my bias. But I think you want people that actually really understand it, right? And can really, like... They're not just saying it because they think it's a nice thing to do. It's just a, It's just a thing that just needs to be done right. Whereas I think you come to London and you get a lot of, no offence to anyone, but, you know, a lot of white middle class people talking about the theory yes. of diversity. And it's like, what are you talking about? Yeah, um, I agree. Whereas I just think if you have more people that have actually lived in a diverse area and grew up there and just didn't even really know the difference until a lot later in life, you yeah. probably would get, you'd probably get some good policies anyway. We digress. Let's, let, let's make Brum the capital, eh? Let's make Brum the capital. <laughs> I think we should. I, I've been talking a lot lately about my run for prime minister. Um, <laughs> and I think what I would do, uh, like, there's absolutely no way I'd be London centric. I think it would be, I, I'm torn between two things. I would either run the government from, from the Midlands, or I would say we're going to find what is the poorest area in the UK and we're going to go and rent some offices and we'll run the government from there. <laughs> so that you guys have all got to come. And then, you know, you, you we're going to have to work on these areas and making life better for people. So we'll see. I am, I'm currently, you know, plotting my manifesto <laughs> in my head because the country at the moment is a bit of a joke, to be honest. Brilliant, brilliant. Also we're going to be paying, what is it, three grand more in energy a year to have blackouts. Yes, yes, yes. How odd. I've never known something increase in price by 80% to be worse. Yeah, anyway, my, we are where we are. My feeling on that, my feeling is that is if you can't afford it, you can't afford it. They can't get blood out of a stone, can they? To be fair, at the end of the day, so you know what I mean. That's all there is to it, really. Well, um, just to finish off our conversation about Jamaica and where we started, and Birmingham, Jamaica and Birmingham. Uh, two little questions for you. I'm going to uh, one serious and the other one a little bit, a little bit fun. So Jamaica, where you've got a connection, quarter Jamaica and all the rest of it. You've, um, you know, mm. you know what the risks are there. In your time doing bisexual campaigning, which of course has had noise, just not in Britain, not just in Britain, but around the world on bisexual brunch and in articles and all the rest of it, have you ever had much contact with anybody? Has people, has anybody reached out? Are you, of young people or people generally who are bi reached out um, to you from Jamaica? From Jamaica, so not really. I wrote an article before talking about how in. Becoming a, a bisexual campaigner, I never really realised that it would rule me out from going to explore my heritage in Jamaica, because as you might recall, my granddad, who we still have, and is from Jamaica, we kind of planned to go and visit there, him and I, and he was going to go and show me all this stuff, and basically all the women in the family got together for an intervention and were like, you're not going, you're too high profile as a bisexual um, you know, people might find out there and it's going to be a completely different ball game to here. We don't think you're safe, so you're not going. It wasn't a question. Women in my family don't pose a question. They just tell you what's going to happen and that's it. Um, so that 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 was it. The trip was cancelled. Um, and I eventually wrote an article on it and I did get a couple of people that, I don't think they were from Jamaica, but were Jamaican, that messaged me and were kind of like, oh, I, like I, it's not the best, but it's not as bad as you think. Like, you know, like, and if you want to go, you should go. It's not fair that you didn't get to explore your heritage and stuff like that. So there were there. There's been a couple from the contacts I've had uh, over the years with anything to Jamaica and people being bi, bi or gay. Is that there are little communities 
that exist there. And I don't know to what extent people do feel fear. You know, do would you feel fear to put the word bisexual into Google or Spotify? Like, I don't know, like, how, how deep it goes. I genuinely don't. No, it'd be, it'd be interesting to go, wouldn't it, and find out if you, were, if you were able to be protected. And my final question, while we're on the subject of Jamaica and Birmingham, you're from Birmingham, you're from the West Midlands. I like the Birmingham accent. Can, can, have you got, is there a Lewis version of the, of the Midlands act, West Midlands accent we can hear? So, first of all, I'm not exactly from Birmingham. I'm from, I would say, two small towns outside. So, I grew up in Walsall, but I spent all my weekends with my grandparents in the black country. And they, like, literally, I mean, they, they don't say a cup of tea. They say a cup of tay. Um, and, you know, it, the, the, it's like a whole different language. And to be honest, like, s- some of the people I've dated have had a really hard time, <laughs> like, understanding, like, that, that accent. Because, like, what are they saying? I, I remember once I recorded my nan and, like, my auntie, like, arguing about something because I thought it was hilarious. And I came back to London. I was literally, I thought it was so funny. I was showing people. And I couldn't understand why they weren't laughing at it. I don't understand what they're saying. Um, I don't, it's it's not that I, with the accent, it's I never really realised I lost it. So I don't think I ever really had the strongest accent. Although if you listen to old videos of me for, on the VCR tapes, like I clearly did have the accent. Um, but then what happened was I was doing like drama school at the weekends where they obviously coach you on a bit of speeching, speaking, I can't even speak now. Um, but then when I moved to London, I think it just naturally went. But there were some things that stayed for ages, like bath, like I'm going to go and have a bath. Um, and now I do say bath. And it's just because I've been around too many people that say bath. So now I'm like, oh, I'm going for a bath. Well, the, um, the black, I mean, the black. The other the... one is teeth. Like, so I would used to be like, oh, my, I've got a tough ache. And people are like, a what ache? A tooth ache? Yeah, I'm like, yeah, my tooth. Um, so there, there are little words that still creep in that you don't say often. And people are just looking at you like, what are you talking about? Well, the, the- I always remember when I got to um, London that first week and I wanted a cob. And I went into Tesco's. I was like, do you have any cobs? And they literally tried to give me like a corn on the cob. And I was like, no, a cob. What's wrong with you people? And a cob, I now know, is called a bread roll. Um, in the rest of the country. But interestingly, I still spell mom the American way, M-O-M, oh. uh, whereas everywhere else spells it M-U-M in the UK. So it's only the Midlands in America that spell it M-O-M. So, but, but you're, if you're from the black country, the black country accent is thick. Is a thicker accent. I don't mean thicker in terms of you intelligence. Believe it, I mean, yeah. I mean, it's a thicker, it's a, it's a stronger accent than the Birmingham accent in a way. You know, it's, it's, if you hear people who are from black country, it's really, really strong, isn't it? So, but, but, mm. but yeah, so can't you give us a little sort of Birmingham or something like that? I mean, it's my, that's my impression of well, it's it. It's not Birmingham, it's black country. So it would be like, uh, oh, how would you say something? Um, Walsall? <laughs> yo, be- yo, so you'd be like, yo, babe, in watching, yo, babe, in listening to Bisexual Brunch again, have you? No, not even have you. Yo, babe, in watching to Bisexual Brunch again, have you? Um, Go and put a cup of tay on instead. Like, it would be something like that, right? <laughs> but it's quite hard to do. It's hard because it's not natural anymore. It did. It was natural once upon a time. Do you, time. when you go back there, do you end up seeping back into it when you get there? Not really. Maybe odd words here and there. I think if I was there long enough, I could, I'd probably revert. Yeah. But it's, yeah. it's, it's just really hard, isn't it? Because I, I don't know. It's, it's, again, we need a, 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 a 
behavioral psychologist on for how it how it happens because uh, i know ne- it was never a conscious choice like i must speak properly now i'm in london um it, it just kind of happened yeah. like gradually bit by bit as i said so to go back there now I, if i live there again i do wonder would i would, would my accent revert or or is this kind of set now who knows yeah and no, i like it i like the west midlands wolverhampton and all that kind of thing i think it's great <laughs> mm. anyway anyway i don't know if that sounded missed with west midlands at all it's a, it's a that's a yorkshireman doing, no, a, well, doing right. a midlands accent <laughs> right anyway good stuff lewis that's really good thank you and um just an interesting chat there about jamaica and, and your your take on that so coming up on uh, Bisexual Brunch, we, of course, have got Ask a Bisexual. But that's not before uh, we've heard this time's Bisexual Journey story. Bisexual Brunch is produced with love by MIM. And if you like what we do, why not support us on Patreon? Visit patreon.com forward slash bisexual brunch. Thank you. So it's another bisexual journey story on bisexual brunch. And today we're joined by Paul, who is 47 and from the West Midlands uh, in the United Kingdom. Now, Paul, thank you very much indeed uh, for getting in touch now and wanting to share your story. Uh, very much appreciated. Certainly. Now, you're married. Is that right? Yes, that's right. Yeah. Been and married you... now for oh, 16 years. You've got kids? Two children, uh, two girls, quite young, so seven and 12. And you came out as bisexual to your partner about, what, seven or eight years ago, is that right? Yeah, about yeah six, six, seven years ago now, nearly. Take us through that process. Why did you do, decide to do it? Why did you do it at that time? And how difficult was it to get to that point? Wow. To get to that point was hugely difficult. I think, to be fair, I was, I'd got so much bottled up inside me. And then, it, to be really honest, I was um, suffering quite uh, with depression at the time. And uh, I don't know what happened one night. I think I was that down. My wife kept asking me what the problem was. And I was like, no, it's fine. We'd been proper struggling uh, with my moods. And that was affecting our relationship quite a lot. And one night it just blurted out of me. And I was just went, she was like, what's the problem? What's the problem? You've got to tell me, you know, is a what's going on sort of thing. And I just blurted out. I said, I like man. And she was like, right. Um, So she says, but what about you like me? I was like, yeah. I says, I love you to bits. I says, you know, nothing's different there. I says, but I like men as well. You know, you know, I see other people in the street, you know, or on television and I have an attraction for them. And she was like, okay, right, that's, that's, okay, yeah, right, okay, that's fine, sort of thing. And it sort of like all went quiet and we sort of like, well, it was sort of like latish at night and we sort of like lay there for a bit. And then the question started, well, how do you know? 
why 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 are you saying this now you know and it sort of like didn't stop then because then I'd sort of like got I felt like I was being interrogated sort of thing and was having to prove why I felt like this and yeah it, it, that started getting really difficult then it did. so we'll talk a bit more about that in a minute and how and how things have, have, have progressed but you were having these issues where you're feeling depressed and down and all, all the rest of it and you obviously you know you had this conversation with her and, and blurted out that you were you, yeah. you, you, like, you like men and women you're bisexual but do you think that that issue of depression was mainly exacerbated by this these feelings or was it more than that um i think it was um the the thing of i wasn't truly who i felt that i was if you know what i mean um i felt that i was sort of like putting on this great big smile and doing all this and there's this like this chunk inside of me that's sort of like just begging to be recognized sort of like longing just to come out and just go this is this is me this is the real me you know even today's in a way i don't feel a hundred percent am i the the right real person sort of thing that you know am i still like this made up little bit of a version or something you know because i think along with the questions became this thing of um Am I not enough for you? Or, you know, um, I feel like the last, because uh, we've been together for 20 something years, um, has the last, um, I don't know how many years, 20 odd years, been a lie, you know? And uh, I'm like, well, no, it's not been a lie. I, I truly love you. And, you know, this is just a, another side to me, you know, and it's a, interesting side if you thought yeah it's not really seen like that what were you hoping to get out of it were you hoping that she would would embrace it i mean is she somebody that had always been pretty you know open-minded and liberal-minded about life and things was, was that what you were hoping that she would actually yeah basically understand yeah yeah pretty much yeah i thought that she was a, and I, I do believe that she is understanding but i don't think I tried then to start looking at it from her perspective on how I would perhaps feel. And I suppose if, say, you were a complete heterosexual male that was like thinking it would perhaps be the biggest turn on in the world, perhaps, that your wife suddenly... Do you know what I mean? There seems to be more that cliche thing of, oh, girl on girl, fabulous. Boy on bill, oh my God, people are going to throw up. You know, and it's like, what the jog? It's like, you know, that's just crazy talk. So, yeah, I, I, I don't, oh, I needed to get it off my chest because I was dying. I was literally dying inside. I just don't know how much, you know, it's been inside me for so, so long. It's um, crazy, really. But it had, to, it just come to the surface like a, you know, a horrible little, you know, you've been bitten or something and it gets infected. It just had to pop. And have you made any pro in those conversations you've had? Because it's been quite a long time now since you since you revealed this. Really, you're still together. Have, yeah. Has there any? Has there been any progress in a understanding oh. where you're coming from? Do you think? Um, I feel that we are 
I feel like we sort of like near enough on a roundabout and we go round in circles sometimes that I think that we've got it right and we seem to be going in the right direction. And then I think something creeps into her. She's right, reminded of something and we end up back to square one where she's not comfortable with it. She's not happy um, and it upsets her quite a bit sometimes um, because I think because I mention it a bit because now I've said it, I don't want it to sort of like die and flicker away. You know, the silliest thing I ever did in the world was um, not long after I said um, that I was like bye and stuff. I sort of like went out and did this bizarre purchase and purchased like some really, um, well, I don't know, well, perhaps all the people might know, um, like Andrew Christian sort of like things. And I brought like this pair of pants, it sounds dead bizarre, but it's like got a rainbow glittery thing around the top. Because I thought, well, wearing them, I felt like expressing myself a little bit. And it's really weird to think, but it sort of helped when I did daft things like that, which people probably absolutely wet themselves with laughter like, but I don't know, perhaps it's like my coping mechanism of to try and, because if I don't talk about it, it's it sort of like dies away and I sort of like perhaps become this, or it's just, just him that's married with a couple of kids like, and it all looks very a um, traditional relationship. Has it had an impact on your sex life? Uh, yes. Uh, yes, a little bit. Um, I must admit, um, I can be sort of, uh, yeah, if I'm not in the right frame of mind, it sort of like um, drops down a little bit then. And then I think she sort of like clicked onto that a little bit. And we're sort of like, I'm just not enough. You just, this isn't going to work, is it? And stuff. And I'm like, no, 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 it is. It's just, you know, and then we'll go back through a patch and it's like absolute crazy, you know, several times a week, four times a week or something silly and, you know, <laughs> like rabbits, which is bizarre. And then we've started doing some sort of like more talking sort of scenarios in the bedroom, which involve perhaps other people and that's interesting is that helps is that helping so yeah that does help quite a bit actually uh it makes it quite exciting and quite different and it, but it's the little bit afterwards um that she's sort of like you'd really like that in real life though wouldn't you so she she, she yes. understands she understands the i suppose the fantasy as it were but she can't get yes. her head around the fact that you might actually physically want to maybe do some of that one day. Yes, yeah, so we sort of like, yeah, we have this fantasy bit going and uh, sort of like, you know, once everything's all done and dusted, so to speak, sort of thing, um, like we end up with this really bizarre conversation then of like, yeah, but you'd, you'd really, really like to do that, wouldn't you? And I'm like, well, I'm not going to lie to you. I can't lie anymore. That's I just can't. Uh, and yeah, I would do. So we've talked about threesomes, but we also know that it would probably it'd either kill or cure. 
I think, would be pretty much it. Our biggest trouble is, I think we both have this jealousy sort of side. Yeah. And I think, you know, probably majority of people would suffer from that, I would have thought. You know, I, I think, think it's... I think, I think you're right. I think there is, there is. I mean, you know, even there's been TV programmes recently, hasn't there, about open relationships. I think, I think Charles Hall was doing one and, you know, that revealed... Yeah, you know, I, I watched got the, that every, one. Yeah, everyone's got the fantasy and then in reality, it's like, oh my God, you know, I can't cope with this, that, you know. Yes, I think that's that's the worst bit is when reality hits it sort of thing. But um, I think the other side of it was everything was going well when we first discussed um, me being bi until she asked me a question and went, yeah, I've got not a problem with you being bi as long as you don't want to touch anybody. And like answer back for a minute and she was like so that's a yes then and I was like well I'm not you know it's and more questions started coming out then it was sort of like started to get really bad when and we sort of like um, we were nearly split up then getting because there was no backtracking I couldn't sort of like and then she's like well have you had any experiences? And I'm like, oh, God, oh, hell. And now I'm really struggling. I can't lie now because it's, I've come so far and I've said what I've said because then she starts, well, how do you know you're bi? You know, how do you know that you'd actually like it? How do you know that, you, you know, and it's all these things that flooded towards me and I'm like, oh my God, it's like, is it, Perhaps it's just, it's just fantasy, perhaps. You know, you, you can't definitely know that you'd like to do beep, 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 you know, and it's like, yeah, perhaps I do sort of know. And she's like, oh, right, so tell me more. And it's um, like, um, oh. What is the story with that? Did you, did you have relations? Did you do things before you got married or? Yeah, before we got, yeah. Uh, like when still at school, to be fair. Um, I, th- I think I've always known deep down that I'm, that I like that um, men, boys, you know what I mean, were on the radar from sort of like an early age, really, um, from television, as well as, I don't know whether a lot of people will probably be aware, um, case catalogues and stuff that used to be handed around the family and you know you pick bits and bobs out for Christmas and you know there's a lot of kids strolling through the toys bits well as you're flicking through them you sort of like notice the underwear section and I don't know it's a very early form of all you know yeah attraction there and and so were you yeah, we all grow up in different circumstances, don't we? And I think I've talked about this on the show a few times that for me it was, um, I was definitely bisexual, but I was sort of, because of the circles I, I, I moved in at the time, I ended up getting to know more men than women. And so I ended up in relationships yeah. with men. Um, and But people, you're conditioned, aren't you, by the circumstances you're in. So what was the situation oh, yeah. with you? Was it, were you just, just naturally ended up with girls or, you know, how did it, how did it, out. Yeah, pretty much I'm from a farming background and sort of like quite a, a masculine sort of um, 
bringing up that way. Um, I was infatuated by Daisy Duke on Dukes of Hazard. Thought she was absolutely wonderful. At the same time, I was um, quite infatuated by um, the fall guy, the chap on that. What's crazy? <laughs> you know, it's such a, a bizarre, strange feeling, especially being young, sort of like, you know, why your attraction is to sort of like liking both, really, like, you know, not really understanding it fully, full stop. Um, but the first time that anything ever happened was with sort of like my best mate and he sort of like instigated it uh, we were just mucking about one day really and the next minute he just kissed me and it sort of like went from there really and um, and did he turn yeah. out to be gay or bi or anything? <laughs> no, he's married well, yeah, he's married as well yeah. we've never spoke about that time ever again but we um, played around for a good year, I think. Um, so he might, be, he might be bisexual too. He very might well be. Hmm. Yeah, I've I've never dared ask him to be fair. It's um, we don't talk an awful lot. I think it's just a very random text now and again, yeah, sort of yeah. thing. So, yeah, I don't know. It's I, I sort yeah, it sort of like fizzled out from there really, and I sort of like started working. And was my head was buried into work. I can remember once overhearing my parents talking at night time, whether they had a possible thought that I might be, I think they thought that I might be gay actually. And I can remember my my dad uh, having a lengthy discussion with my mom, and sort of like that classic sort of dad sort of like thing. Don't want any son of mine turning out like that sort of thing and. That really upset me a bit, to be fair, because it still sticks with me now. Um, and it sort of like steered me away, really. And then because I was involved in farming, that steered me away as well, because it's not nothing really heard of. Yeah, yeah. And, and also we and were that, growing up, you and I are similar ages, we were growing up at a time when the HIV and AIDS crisis was around as oh well. Oh, my God, those, ad so, those adverts were scary. So there was that added stigma, wasn't there, going on at the same time? You know? Absolutely, hugely. I can remember at school that time, I think, um, the horrible jokes that went around about Freddie Mercury and that, um, I think, Kenny Everett was similar era to catching and dying, you know, and you sort of like were almost frightened to death of, and, 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 bi and bisexual people were often blamed for it, for the passing it on to, from one sexuality to another and all that yeah. kind of thing at the time. When did you, though, obviously you were having these, uh, you know, liaisons with your best mate or whatever, which you would have thought of, I suppose, as being sort of gay liaisons in a way. When did you actually think yeah. or feel about, when did you actually comprehend in your mind that actually you might actually be bisexual? Because let's face it, the word bisexual, as we talk about all the time, never gets mentioned and certainly wouldn't have been mentioned on a regular basis in the media when you were that age. So when oh, did you God, actually no. think, actually, I'm, I might be bi? I think probably the thoughts, I think, that I might actually be bi wouldn't have been probably around the invention of the internet, really, because obviously, like, with time of before internet, and then suddenly that comes along, and I can remember joining uh, chat groups 
because I started to have things started to surface inside and I started looking and the internet made it so easy to sort of like look for things. And then I got talking to people and I think it was sort of like from talking to people on different websites that it became more of a thing that, oh, there's a name, you know, that this is the name like for it. And, you know, I'm with my wife. Well, she wasn't my wife at the time. She was my uh, partner. Um, and, you know, because we don't have trouble in the bedroom. So that must mean I can't be gay, you know. So it's a thing of, you know, but I was speaking to one gay uh, chap and got quite uh, friendly over the internet talking. And he was like, oh, you're just, um, you're, you're sort of like on the thing. He says, you know, there's no such thing as bisexual. He goes, it's, it's just a stepping stone between, you know, straight to gay. He says, you know, you're, you'll eventually come out as gay and this, that, and the other. And he was absolutely, he wouldn't hear it any other way that actually, no, I'd got an attraction to my partner because he was like, how how can you have because you know it's well i'm like yeah but i can because i have i know it's there it's you know how how did you find that did you find that quite shocking from a gay man yeah to be fair i, I felt like a bit i don't know sort of like um rejected is the wrong word from it like but sort of like oh you know, just disbelieve that you could actually, you know, you like just fake it's No, it's not true. It's ever so weird, really. A strange feeling, to be fair. Have you managed to talk to anybody else other than your wife about being bi? Uh, yeah, when um, I came out to her after quite a lot of talking, um, I suggested that we see a counsellor to try and see where it might help. And I said that I wonder whether seeing a um, LGBT um, counsellor would be the most sensible thing as they'd know from my side how it felt because just going to any old, you know, Joe Bloggs counsellor down the road that just deals with a marital issue, how is he going to know anything from how it would feel unless obviously it was bi or gay or anything so i suggested an lgbt place and we found one of these places and we set up an appointment and we saw this counselor separately so i'd go in to see him and then claire would go in to see him and so i went in and explained how i felt and this that and the other and she went in afterwards anyway she came out and we were driving back home and she was like, got a proper face and I, and I knew that she was upset. And I was like, what's the matter? Is, do you not feel that that's helped you? She was like, no, not at all. And basically he'd said to her pretty much what this other chap had said. Oh, there's not really much thing as bisexual, really. He's just, he, he's just it's like a stepping stone. He'll either come out or he won't. But realistically, he's gay. <laughs> like, and this is just from a you know a proper counsellor. What, like, what had he said? What had he said to you? Well, really, he'd listened to me, and I'd said how I felt, and you know that um, I'd had um, 
a relationship, you know, when I was first as a te- you know young teenager sort of type thing at school and this, that and the other. And I got together with my partner and, you know, that I felt, you know, an attraction to both. And he was sort of like, yeah, yeah, but you must be sort of like more one way than the other. No, I don't, I don't think I am, you know. Oh, well, you know, sort of like time, time will sort of like see sort of thing, you know, that you are like on this road to sort of like, you know, it's something new, but I don't believe I am. That's know. appalling, isn't it? When you think back to that, here's the, L- yeah. the LGBT counsellor not able to at least acknowledge and embrace bisexuality. Uh, that, that when you think back, it's pretty shocking, isn't it, really? Yeah, it was absolutely horrendous. I've since spoke to other counsellors and they've been terrific because I do quite beat myself up about it. I, I'm, I probably punish myself quite a bit because I feel um, fake. You know, I feel um, that I've ruined her life and for not being honest. Do you, see, you know what I mean? And I, I do struggle quite a lot with that. And he's tried, he's helped me quite a lot to sort of um, come to terms with it and not to, you know, you are who you are and, you know, you, how can you be fake when you are who you are sort of thing? You've, you've done what you saw was right by not saying it because that, that was the other questions you see was, well, well, why didn't you say anything when we first started going out and bits like that? And I'm like, well, it's not really some it. I think because it was such an awful long time ago and I didn't, I don't, believe I even knew the word bisexual then that it would have been something that you'd have just said and gone all you know you meet this girl and you go oh by the way when I was like you're 13 14 me and my mate you know had a bit of a thing and because in my mind just I don't know really what it was other than it transpires you know and now there's a name and I know that I yeah, am bisexual. Did you so you had these you've had this conversation with counselors? What about people generally, friends or anybody? Have you spoken to anybody, um, any mates or anything like there, that? There are a few close friends that know and a friend because unless you talk about it, it will just eat away at you inside. It it is destroying in a way. And I would urge anybody to try and talk to somebody if it's a stranger, a yeah. counselor would be my biggest advice. I stored it up for so long. Um, it caused a lot of um, a lot of mucking about in a way because I did other staff things like because I wasn't happy in life in a way because that's sort of like eating away at me inside. I start, you know, changing jobs or you do this or you spend money on doing that and you divert your attention somewhere else so you're not thinking about it and i did an awful lot of that so and the friends you've told what have they been like have they been quite supportive um one person said we don't look gay i was like yeah but i'm not gay because i like yeah but you like blokes don't you and you'd like to do such and such to blokes and i was like 
yes, but that doesn't make me gay. Well, yeah, but you're like really manly and, you know, aren't. So people's perception of um, how, how you think that they, yeah, is a bit weird. Other people are like, all oh, right, oh, that's, you know, different. How, how does your partner, you know, uh, and it's like, it's, it's an ongoing thing, really. We have ups and downs. Um, but it's a, but it's, a, it's a difficult thing, isn't it? Because it's weird, this one, isn't it, being bisexual? Because um, if it was a case of everyone could just be out and no problems and whatever and, you know, no issues, you wouldn't really you wouldn't really go around shouting about it, saying, oh, I'm bisexual, blah, 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 because it'd just be accepted that people were and all the rest of it. But you, yeah. you, you feel as though you need to have that identity there. So when you meet people who aren't that fussed, it's like, oh, yeah, actually that has a negative effect as well, doesn't it? Because it's like, well, actually this person is not actually taking this seriously. I need them to understand yeah. this is my identity, you know. Yeah, definitely so. Um, it's sort of like nearly did end up getting worldwide knowledge because... Um, at the time that I told uh, my partner, it sort of like somehow escaped into a a, a group of people that um, that anyway it ended up falling at my work doorstep, and my work doorstep is quite a very it's a complete masculine place and quite old-fashioned manly atmosphere type thing to the you know with um uh communal showers for after shift and all that sort of stuff and it started flying around then that paul likes men and i didn't deny it deny it but i didn't go sort of like put up this front of like no i i just sort of like I think one day I was in the shower and this one bloke was getting quite thinking, going, oh, what's good? Yeah, you and your missus and this, that, and you you like to have a bit of, you know, um, of a bloke in your face and all that sort of stuff. And I just turned to him and was like, yeah, and what about it? And he just like, his face just like went, huh? And shut up. (laughs) So like he carried on. No one's ever mentioned anything ever again then. But, it is the sort of like place where they are quite. Um, they say the daftest of things, and not to like me, but you know they they act a bit um, by in their own act when they're sort of like in the changing rooms and stuff, and you just think, yeah, I bet there's quite a few here that are probably of similar thoughts. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's weird, isn't it? It's it's an unspoken thing, isn't it? That's that's what it is. And there's a lot of bromances going on as well, isn't there? You know, it might not be sexual, but there's certainly a lot of closeness going on between between blokes. I see a huge, I see a huge amount of it. Yeah, yeah, it's no, absolutely. Quite bizarre, really. Yeah, it is. You're right. You're right. So <laughs> you're in a situation now where it's been. This has been going for quite a long time. You you still you're still married. You're still together. Um, yeah, but but Still where going. do you think where do you think you are at the minute? Do you? Well, I suppose the first question, main question, really, is are you, are you happy? Am I happy? That's a good question. Yes, I am happy. I'm I'm happy, and I'm not. Um, I think there still is that. You know, it sometimes is hard to deal with 
especially because I'm in a relationship which is with my partner and we don't go out and do anything. I think when we do these fantasy things in the bedroom, that helps in one way, but sort of like doesn't help in another way because it's sort of like you've all still got a desire. And so as much as it helps one way, it sort of like has a negative effect as well because it's sort of like everything's kept real and it sort of like makes you think back to, oh, but that side of it is really nice and that would be really nice to do one day. And how does she feel about the fantasies? Is she turned on by the fantasies as herself? Oh, she's a really very hard to sort of read sometimes because I get that she really does like quite the fantasy and gets turned on and then as soon as it's all over it's sort of like very much back to but you know it's never going to happen don't you and it's sort of like you like that balloon when you blow it up and you don't tie it and then you just let it go and it goes <clears throat> away well it's a bit like and blokes it's like blokes generally, isn't it? Because whenever you do things, as it were, you know, as soon as it's yes. over and done with, most blokes aren't interested, are they? Or they feel guilty about what they've just done. You know, yeah. in one sense, you know, it's, it's probably it's women obviously probably go through the same similar kind of thing. So head over heels in love with her partner. You know, she's cracking. We've been together for absolutely ever. And, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to um, lose her. But on that other hand, um, it would be nice to sometimes think perhaps you might get to touch somebody else. If so for you, you, for you, you've got the emotional stability, you've got the relationship. Uh, for you, if going forward, the ideal for you would be to be able to have the occasional sexual liaison with a bloke. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that, that would be very nice. Like, But um, I think that it would destroy us if ever we tried it. It's um, one of those things where you sort of like end up trying to work out the pros and cons. And at this precise moment in time, I wouldn't want to destroy our relationship just to fulfil my uh, side of that sort of thing. But I still have this tremendous amount of guilt where I wasn't truthful, you know, because I, I get this thing of why did it take so long to tell me? And... I suppose the answer the answer I give is uh, I really honestly don't know why it came out when it came out, um, and I apologise profusely that I wasn't truthful more in the start. But I don't think I understood enough in how I would start the conversation to have told her anyway. To be fair, you know it's. Look, there's no. We've talked this about this many times. There's no role models, is there? There's no. There's no focus. No, there's nothing there out there to look at no. and think. Actually, you know, that's the way it's done, or, or anything really. You know. Um, no, there's nothing at all because growing up, you know, people that were you know camp people would just put them. You know, they were just like uh, comedy acts on telly, sort of thing, and you know, they're just a bunch of people to go laugh at, you know, and. Sort of like moving forward from there, it's it really does thing you up. And then, like we said before about HIV coming into play, you know, 
So you've got like one bit that's going to make you laugh, they're there to make you laugh, and the other bit is, you know, there's this killer thing and it's, you know, these are the people it's killing and frightening you to death. Do you think it would help at some point in the future? I'm not saying I'm not saying this is easy to do, because I don't think it is. Would it help for you at some point as a couple to meet another couple or in the same kind of situation? So a guy who's, who's bisexual and a, and a woman who's straight who have maybe got through all this and come out the other side and are in a situation whereby, you know, they accept each other and they're happy and all the rest of it. Because it strikes yeah. me that she hasn't, she's got no examples of that at the moment. No, and, and I don't and I don't believe she's got anyone to talk to either. You know, I'll I go on podcasts and search and listen, you know, and that helps me. But I don't think she's got anyone to talk to. I don't think she's got this thing of, you know, where where am I all in this? Because my my life has changed sort of thing so much, feelings-wise, inside for her. And life hasn't changed in a way because you're still in the same place and, I'm still here. It's not like I've died or anything. But in her eyes, it's like this new person is in front of me that I've got to get to know, you know, and was the last uh, God knows how many years all a lie? Is he telling me the truth or is he really secretly? Because from her side is that all she ever hears is, oh, and like the counsellor chap said, he's just waiting to come out. People cannot bring themselves to say, that somebody is by, which is which is. I don't weird, think you know? people can get their head round that actually you can like both. I think they just find it totally implausible that there should be something inside that goes, well, I like chaps and I like ladies. You know, I can't see what the big issue is because it's like. It's like liking two different colours, equally the same, isn't it? You know, I like a blue, yeah, I like but, a blue car. But we don't like all of them, do we? That's the no. thing. People think we like everybody. That's the thing. They think they think that you're going to wander down the street and have sex with just about everybody you see. That's the thing. <laughs> exactly. And it's like not going to happen because, you know, there's a... And it's the same on the other spectrum. Girls, the amount of girls and the amount of girls that wouldn't want me either. It's, you know, we talk about this thing of all, well... You know, you, if we had a threesome, you might run off with him. And I'm like, yes, but you might as well. You both might get it together and you might be like, crikey, he's way nicer than you. And you'll be gone. Yeah. There's nothing to say that you wouldn't do the same. Exactly, exactly. It's all it's all nonsense, isn't it? So what's your, are you talking about earlier on, that you, you see people out there and you think that there are other people who are bi and all the rest of it. Um, how many people do you actually know who are bisexual? No. Well, none that you know of, I suppose. None that, that you know I know of. of. No. Yeah. But you suspect no, there are some. Yeah, I know um, uh, gay people. Um, I've got uh, gay cousins. Um, you know, that side of it. But yeah, no one that I know that is, you know, happy to say. Yeah, I'm by. Do those gay you cousins know? know? Um, they might. They won't know that I'm um, not 100% certain. Okay. 
Because it's difficult, isn't it, within the families? Because everyone starts yeah, to, my, you know. My sister sorted those. And what's her thoughts on about, it, do you think? Um, she doesn't say anything, to be honest. Right, OK. He's respectfully silent about it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 So how do you see how do you see things going now then? I mean, you said you're you're happy to an extent, but you know, you know, what 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 would what would make things better for you, do you think? I mean, obviously she decided that everything's fantastic and brilliant and all the rest of it, but and was willing to experiment. But you know, what I think how um, are you how are you make... planning to get I mean you obviously you, you've you've made you've 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 made a move this week. You've contacted us, and you know this. I hope is helping you to talk about it. Um, oh, definitely so, so. So that's one move. But where do you see I think it, it would be going? nice if I could if I could find some without because she. I don't know whether I don't think she'd probably be very happy with me talking about it. But it would be nice to find some help because I think she suffers so much inside the head. You know, I sometimes struggle to probably give confidence and reassurance that, you know, but when you've got someone going, oh, long as it's only just me that you want, that it's just me, me, that it's just me, it's, and you're, and you're by, it's hard to sort of like give that positive thing off and go, yes, darling, yes, darling, yes, darling, it's just you, because sort of like there's such a chunk inside that's screaming at you on the inside going, Tell her it's not just you. Tell her it's not just you. That there's this bit inside that wants a bit of more, sort of thing. So it does make it difficult to give that a hundred percent positive vibe across. That actually, no, 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 darling, it is just you that I want. And that's not me trying to sound like a absolute um, daft person that wants to go off and have anything in the street, sort of thing. Because it isn't. It's just that. Um, when you've when you've let and you've let it escape from inside you and say, yeah, this is how I feel, it's hard to cover it back up again. It's because it doesn't want to be covered back up because it knows that it's going to make you suffer again, even though I'm not completely unsuffering. Um, yeah, it yeah. doesn't want to get covered up. Absolutely, it doesn't how... want to get chucked in a box. How? Different, do you think your life would have been had you been able, at as a teenager, to see the word bisexual, to acknowledge it was there, for people to understand that it existed, that people could like men and women uh, equally, and that you know it was a fact of life. How just roll the clock back if you knew and known at eighteen or whatever that the, the bisexuality oh. existed and people can live their lives as being bisexuals and be open about it. How would it have oh, changed oh things? My God, how fabulous would that have been? It'd been like amazing to, you know, it's it's probably as amazing to feel that as it is now to see two chaps walking down the street hand in hand sometimes. And when I see them, I get this like warm glow inside and think, well done, guys, you know, or two girls. Not to, so two girls sometimes because two girls have naturally always been able to hug each other, walk down the hand, walk down the street, arm in arm, hand in hand, give each other a peck on the cheek and nobody would look at ever twice because they'd either think that they were friends or something. But if two guys were doing that, they'd instantly be shouted at, called a bunch of puffs or faggots or whatever you want to call it. And that's, you know, not me being a nasty person to point out. But um, 
that just wouldn't happen ever. So, but yeah, if Crikey grown up and that would have been the case, um, yeah, it would have been absolutely such a breeze. I, I hope one day we end up like that where, you know, and I think it, it's getting that way. It's just really slow, but I think there's still a load of work to do. Um, new programmes coming out, that Heartstopper. I've secretly watched that. I think that's awesome. You know, I hope a lot of kids see that. It's so it's not portrayed, it's not being portrayed or promoted by the media as being a bisexual storyline. Anything by no. No. No, because I think it'll end up they'll just it'll a lot of people will just end up thinking, oh, it's just um the young lad's on his way out to being gay, won't he? Yeah. And then because he ends up in a male male relationship, they'll just go, Yeah, but he's gay, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, even though he still will be by. Yeah, and, no, you know, I think you're right. I think things are changing slowly, but I think there's a, I think there's a feeling. I was in a meeting earlier on today, a commissioning meeting about ideas and things, and there was a feeling that, um, well, I was trying to say that we need to do more on bisexuality and the media generally and whatever, and, and the, 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 the feeling from several people was, yeah, we know it's an issue for older people, but, but it's changing with the young ones, isn't it? And I said, well, actually, you know what? It might be in certain circles, but. You know, on a working class estate in Wigan or whatever it may be, it's not changing. You know, there are still young men who are in situations where they can't be open about being bisexual at all. You know, it just doesn't happen. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, no, because you still see uh, different media reports where kids are still getting beaten up for, you know, girls kissing on buses or lads holding hands. They're still ending up in a knee at the end of the night because they've seen walking, you know, there's still targets for people. So, it's not like works at a really young age because it's encouraging that a few of my um, people that we've known with kids and they've gone, oh yeah, what's good when you speak to the kids? Yeah, 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 we've got, a, you know, there's a lad, yeah, they're like at 12, 13-ish. Yeah, we've got a lad in the school that, you yeah, know, he's gay, he's into boys and stuff and it doesn't matter to them. They couldn't give a monkeys but then I think they get to that sort of like 16, 17 and I don't, whether... Perhaps opinions change. I don't know. It's. I think you perhaps get a little bit more. But I think we've done a lot. Of, I think a lot of work's been done to accept the, the 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 L and the G, the gay and lesbian thing. But that's that's on the radar now. But I still don't think the B is talked about. I don't think it's even mentioned as no, a possibility. I, th I still think people. I think people just think it's a stepping stone still. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And you know. Oh yeah. They'll they'll, they'll come out as gay. Yeah. Sort of absolutely. Thing. Absolutely. So it's sort of like just blinkered in this thing of how, how can you possibly like two two people? How can you sort of like be equally fascinated girl and that boy? So final question on a positive note, we as you you listen to the show, so we often end with this. Um what's the best thing then? I know there's lots of difficulties, lots of issues, but now you've accepted it in yourself and you've told your wife and you've told a few other people what's the best thing about accepting that you are bisexual I think it gives you a positive thought on on other people really um, and accepting and understanding how other people perhaps think you know um, classic bit of con uh, thing um, my partner was on about somebody and what she was on about when she gets a bit thinking about oh um pride and stuff and there isn't anything for me being a straight person 
And I'm like, but, you know, there's so much stuff about, you know, gay or bi or lesbians and stuff. And I'm like, but I don't think you really understand as being like people perhaps, you know, that like to come out and say and how it would feel. It's like even for me, I've tried to explain how it made me feel and how it took how long for me to say something and you've got to keep that in and you know this is why people fight for these things to just make it accepted you don't have to just go to your parents and go oh mom um i'm straight or anything it's crazy really you know and there shouldn't have to be anything for go you know it's just what's good yeah my boyfriend's coming around tonight and that'd be that it's, you know, I want you to meet my boyfriend, and yeah, here he is. Or I want you to meet my girlfriend, and shouldn't be a thing. But yeah, I think um, I look at look at them with a different view, and I feel more accepting of people. Feel better. Didn't quite feel that before. Felt like I'd got to hide, but don't want to hide. Well, you've certainly not hid, uh, hid today because you, you told the whole world, Paul. The whole world yeah. knows now. Bless. <laughs> but no, it's really no, important it's... what you're doing, though, to be honest, because there are so many people all over the world who don't, well, sometimes they've never heard the word bisexual. So they'll be listening to this show for the first time and decide that they are bi, yeah, and, you know. And at the end of the day, there's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with liking uh, other people. Nothing wrong with fancying you know, sitting down with your wife and both fancying the bloke off Bridgerton. You know, there's nothing wrong with it. What's it hurting? It's not hurting anybody, is it? It's, Have you found people you both fancy and has that, has that worked I'm, or not? I'm probably a bit more coy and keep my mouth shut sometimes because I don't want to rock the boat too much. Um, but we will have the odd sort of light thing of, oh, you know, he, she'll go, he's he's really nice, isn't he? I'll go, like, he is really nice, isn't he? <laughs> sort of thing. So, I try not to be too shy, but I try not to sort of like put it in her face too much because it's still quite raw, even after all these years. And I don't want it to be. I want it to be okay because, you know, I do love her to bits. She's my world. My kids are, you know, and but there's that bit of me that does like chaps. It's shocking, isn't it, really, in 2022 that being bisexual in a way is still... One of the one of the last taboos, in a way, you know. It's just yeah, hugely. And you know, I really would like it to end up, you know, in my lifetime where actually it isn't. It'd be really nice to see that, you know. Absolutely. So, but, yeah. The only bad, the only bad bit is it would stop lots of podcasts, but uh, in a way, wouldn't it? <laughs> well, it's weird, isn't it? Because I think the other thing we talk about on the show is that whether or not there's a bi identity, whether or not there's bi-culture, because we don't, we don't, nobody's really explored that, really, because obviously there's an LGBT or a gay culture, but a lot of bi people don't really get into that and aren't necessarily in, you know, interested in that. So is there something that unites bi people? Maybe there is, I don't know. You know. Well, as we sort of like spoke about, there's not much toy point sometimes talking to gay people because they just think you're a stepping stone. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. you know, we haven't had a positive... Um, talk 
with gay people that way that perhaps there's probably lots of lots of gay people it's wrong for me to say you know um but there's probably lots of gay people that are, it would be positive and go yeah there are five people there's nothing wrong with them that's fine a lot of gay people and a lot of straight women to be fair who are fine and straight men who are fine about it you know but yeah. there's a there's a significant number who are out there and don't you know accept it yeah they're not, very the they're not very positive about it at all are they and it's that makes it worth Paul, it uh... well, it's been lovely to talk to you and hear what you had, you had to say and thank you very much indeed for getting in touch and hopefully that will uh, this conversation will help a fair few people because we know full well there's a lot of people in exactly the same situation as you are and I hope, hope... so it, it is a big step to tell your partner you know whether you're a female telling your male partner or the opposite way around but I would encourage people to do it and get off your chest in a way and one of the things we're hoping to do in the future, if we can get our act together and get it sorted, is we're hoping to take bisexual brunch on the road at some point. So oh, wow. and and appear in certain cities and towns and things, so people can come along, meet us, and hopefully meet other bisexual people. So we might yeah, be able yeah. to, you know, because I, I think it's all well and good everyone talking on the internet and zooms and all these different things, but we're human beings. We do need um, sort it's of good, yeah, definitely so. But there, I think there also needs to be a bit of stuff for, so people don't actually forget the partners of the actual the bi people because they're in the picture as well. They're people that suffer suffer equally as much as what we do by storing all this stuff up and then letting it out in a flood. Yeah. And absolutely, I suppose it's absolutely. Like, yeah, you know, it's a big life changing thing for them Huge. because their world. Yeah suddenly changes and they're like wow yeah. I don't, no, I'm not sure if I know this person you're absolutely right it's a, it's a huge huge thing and you know the thing that I just find frustrating more than anything is just how um, for some reason there feels sometimes that there's like some kind of conspiracy of silence over the issue that you know we, we get things talked about the trans and non-binary and all these other things constantly and yet the, the bisexuality just doesn't get a look in it's and yet we know from the figures more and more people are ticking the box bisexual so the oh pe pe God, people yeah, people are out there like you and i must it's probably a hell of a lot more than we than people realize you know yeah i don't think i'd have a problem now if random people just came up to me and go oh you know i, I think i would just tell people now i think this fear thing is escaping me and i'm like I'm not bothered. I couldn't give a monkey. It's like I'm me, but you know, exactly. That's that there. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Stuff you. It's like if you're, if you're happy, you don't want to know me then, because we've had people that don't want to know us and they've gone. And that's it. They won't talk to us. There's no point, is there? Absolutely. Good Good luck with it all. Keep in touch. And um, yeah, anything you want to, you know, just give us some sense of message at any time you want. Anything you want to get off your chest, Thank anything you. thoughts you've got, whatever. You know, see us see us as a bit as a bit of your sort of your community, as it were. You know, we're always there to, yeah. to it, chat to if you don't want need to, yeah. And it'd be good if anybody does sort of like commenting on what support can help partners of uh people that have come out and said something, that would be pretty awesome to sort of like know if anyone listens and sort of like says oh we found this helpful for my partner you know she or he spoke to xyz or listened to this xyz because you know there's 
I've looked and there's not really anything just like the people that get affected by us being by. Pardon yeah, the no, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. But that story you told me about the councillor thing, that's shocking. That is shocking. Really. How long ago was that? A few, a few years ago now, was it? Or Yeah, a few years ago now that was. Yeah, but I don't think so, anything's but, I don't think anything's improved, to be honest. I think it's very similar. But you're, but you're still this side of two thousand and you would think, wow, shouldn't have been yeah. like that. Yeah, dreadful. Dreadful. Made it worse. Made yeah. it worse, didn't it? It made it, it worse. Yeah. Make it worse. Yeah. 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 Well, again, thank you, Paul, for sharing your story. And actually, what Paul has been talking about there uh, leads in a little bit to our ask a bisexual question a little bit later on in the show. Yes, it's a bumper show uh, this time because it's Pride by Pride Month here in the UK. Um, hopefully, people will hear about it more widely. Uh, but there is by Pride Month. There's by Pride this weekend, early September. Uh, there is also uh, Bisexual Awareness Day coming up, Bi Pride Week. Um, we talk about all these things every year. Uh, I'm just not sure how much traction it all gets. Before we hear about our Ask a Bisexual question this time, we'll be hearing all about Bi Pride UK in just a moment's time. This is Bisexual Brunch. Bisexual Brunch uh, continues, and we've got a special guest, Avi Kay, who's the chair of Bi Pride uk which returns this year this uh saturday third of september that's right yeah um <laughs> uh, you've, you've had a bit of a break though haven't you i presume you've not been doing anything for a couple of years is that right uh so we haven't been able to do our in-person pride event since 2019 um but in 2020 we ran two virtual events one in june and one in september um and then in 2021 we ran one in september that was sort of uh pre-recorded content but live streamed from a studio Fantastic. And how long has Buy Pride UK been going on? How many years has it been going? Uh, we were set up in 2017 and got charity status in 2018. So about five years. So relatively new, relatively new, really. Obviously, there have been events around the country, haven't they, in the UK over many years. I know there's been an event here in Manchester on a regular basis by the community here. That There's BuyCon and various other things, isn't there? So how different is by pride from those kind of events um by pride uk's events are sort of probably the biggest difference is the scale i would say um the community focus is very much the same um bicon is obviously a well uh wasn't in the last couple of years but a residential event um in its sort of purest form um so it's a multi-day event we're just a one-day event um and the the sort of uh, the events that local bike community organisers put on tend to also be sort of single day events, but usually a much smaller audience, um, kind of perhaps shorter days. Uh, so by Pride UK's main sort of big difference is just the scale, really. Um, we have the same kind of elements that many bi activism groups will look at of having sort of celebratory stuff, social stuff and educational stuff. Um and uh, yeah, the focus is really to uh, to bring the community together on um, on a sort of larger scale than um, other organisations have the the resources to do. 
Okay, now people will be listening to this at all different times, of course. Some people will hear this before the event goes out. Other people will hear it during the during the event and suddenly think, oh, I better find out what's going on. And other people will hear about it afterwards. How can people experience by pride? I presume that there's, a, there's an online experience, which you can tell me about. There's a an in-person experience. But is there something where people can go back and see things as well? Tell us a bit about the how people can access by pride. Sure. Yeah. So this year, um, obviously coming back as our first physical event since um, the beginning of the pandemic, um, we decided to use what we learned from our pandemic years um, to build that virtual element into the event. Um, it's actually a, a, a sort of a question that we've been grappling with since our inception is we knew that our Pride event would be sort of in one place on one day, which automatically means there are going to be loads of people who can't attend it, whether that's geographically, financially, all of the different reasons. Um, and we sort of never really found the solution, which COVID kind of made a really obvious solution for us um, and sort of wondered why we'd not thought about that before. Um, but we did decide that coming back as a physical event this year, we wanted to make sure that we were live streaming it so that people could connect with it online. Um, obviously, there's a lot lot of members within our community who are um, kind of more likely to be vulnerable to COVID and maybe are still cautious about attending in-person events. Lots of people who don't have the money because of the cost of living crisis, all of those reasons. So we're live streaming the uh, two stages. So we've got one stage, which is sort of performers, musicians, uh, dancers, all sorts of stuff like that. Um, and that's going to be on one live stream. And then we've got a second stage uh, called the I Am Proud stage, which has uh, sort of panels and speakers um, covering all sorts of different topics. And that's also going to be live streamed. Um, we're going to be live streaming on uh, Twitch, YouTube and Facebook. I'm afraid I can't remember which one's streaming to where at the moment. We've been having conversations with our uh, events company tech about exactly where things are going to go to. Um, but uh, people can uh, on the day join um, one of those websites, our, our, um, uh, our account on Facebook, on YouTube or on Twitch. Um, and then the majority of it will also be available to watch back. There's a couple of performers uh, on the stage who've asked us to turn off the live stream for their section because it's content that they reuse. Um, but the majority of the performers on the main stage will be available to view afterwards. And all of the panelists, uh, the, all of the panel discussions um, will be available to view probably from about a, like middle of the day on the Sunday, the day after the event, um, when the, the platforms catch up with themselves. Okay, that's interesting, and it's good for our audience as well because we've got an audience. Our audience is global. We've got a lot of people who listen to us in America and different parts of the world. They'll be able to access it as well, won't they? Fairly easily. So, for for just a general, what's the general thing that people need to log on to? So it's bypridejk.org. Um, yep. We have uh, a page on Facebook that's uh, bypridejk, so people can just search for that um, and find the stream there. Um, again. On, on YouTube and on Twitch, they can just search for, for By Pride UK's account and then see the videos that stream from it. I'm not super techie, so I'm afraid I don't know much more <laughs> don't, than that. Don't worry, join the, join the, join the club, join the club. So, so this year then, obviously uh, a bit of a break and new new times, as it were, trying to deal with all these different things. What's, what support have you had and what are the highlights, do you think, of the uh, of the event this, this year? Mm. So... 
Um, we've got a few new features that we've got uh, featuring in this year's event. So in, in the previous uh, iterations, we've had um, obviously the two stages that I mentioned. Um, we have an area called the Community Hub where we've got stalls from bi organisations, LGBT charities, uh, companies um, and all sorts of stuff like that. Um, so that's all coming back. Um, we also in uh, 2019 had a, a sensory room for people um, with sensory processing issues who needed to kind of have a quieter space to, to get away from the noise. Um, that's coming back again this year. Um, it's actually going to be called the Simon Kremen uh, Sensory Room this year in memory of a, a volunteer that we lost during COVID. Um, and then there's a couple of new things that we're introducing this year that we're really excited about. Um, we're working with... Um, uh, Vanit and Lowe, um, who people may have come across um, in various contexts. Lowe is involved with the Bi Survivors Network. Um, Vanit is involved with basically everything, really. He pops up everywhere. Um, so the two of them uh, have been working with us on a Bi Book Fair. Um, so there's going to be some publishers there, um, some authors talking about um, kind of what it is like to, to get a book deal and doing some readings of some of the stuff that they've done. So really excited about the, the book fair that's going to be um, just outside our panel stage area. Um, and we've also introduced uh, a remembrance space so that people can come and um, sit, reflect, write in our remembrance book, put a picture of a loved one on the wall. Um, all sorts of stuff like that. So that's going to be sort of in a little quiet space away from everything else as well. So yeah, we've got quite a lot of new stuff that's happening this year. We're on a uh, we're in a new venue as well. Um, we used uh, a smaller venue in 2019 that we outgrew in our first year, which is amazing, but does mean that we needed to expand. So now we're uh, on the Queen Mary University campus in Mile End in London. Um, and it's a really big venue. It's a gorgeous space. Um, all of the, the different areas of it are, are going to be really wonderful. Um, and, yeah, we're really looking forward to uh, the sort of the, the community aspect of it. Um, all of our um, panellists are going to be speaking from their own experiences of um, their bi identities and how it intersects with other elements. Um, we've got some incredible performers on the stage. Um, we've got uh, our headliners um, are... Um, to RuPaul Queens, um, Victoria Scone and River Medway, um, which we're really excited about. Um, we've got some other really incredible names. We haven't announced everything yet, so I can't share all of the people, but there's one or two people that I'm really looking forward to meeting and getting the chance to be like, oh my God, can I get a picture with you? Um, so yeah, um, we've got some really great stuff. Um, we're very grateful to our sponsors who've made it possible. Who, who are sponsoring you? Who, who is it? Who's it sponsoring you? So far, we have EY. Um, we've got uh, a company called Arup, who I believe are in the manufacturing business. We've got uh, Credit Suisse. We've got GSK. We've got the Environment Agency, uh, Sky. Very good. That's that's pretty. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. Um, now, one of the other interesting things about this, of course, is that you're doing a lot of it, um, as you say, with an, on, an online element. And I think one of the the things about being bisexual, and I suppose one of the things that we've noticed since doing Bisexual Brunch for the last couple of years, is there are lots of different aspects, of course, to 
you know, if you're going to call it the bisexual community, hmm. there is a bisexual community that's out and proud and all the rest of it. There is also a very hidden bisexual community and a lot of people who don't feel comfortable about being open about being bisexual, sadly, uh, because of the fact there aren't role models and there's not representation and all the rest of it, which I'm sure you and I could talk about forever. Hmm. Um, but is that another part of your thinking, the fact that actually there will be people out there that... I mean, yeah, a lot of people might not be able to travel or the you know, expense and all the rest of it. I understand all that. But there will be people also who are just nervous about actually being seen at an event. And that sounds awful, I know, in this day and age. But that is part of it, isn't it? Yeah, no, it's a very it's a very significant part of it. When So when we started the charity, um, the very first kind of concept of, of Buy Pride UK was, was thinking about a Pride event as a one-off thing. We didn't even think we'd do it multiple times. We just thought we'd have a go at doing it once and that would be it. Um, but it very, very quickly uh, snowballed from that into firstly thinking, well, there are prides around the UK and we know that a lot of them don't have a huge amount of buy visibility in them. It might be that their organisers just haven't really thought about it. It might be that there's no kind of local buy infrastructure organisation in that area. Obviously, there's loads of local buy activism groups, but not every town every city has one um so we then started thinking well what can we do as a pride charity ourselves to help other prides to be more inclusive and more um kind of bi visible so there's sort of there's that side of our work around kind of engaging with prides on an educational level but also physically being at prides ourselves um as much as we can um to kind of provide a, a bi visibility space where there may not otherwise be and then we also started thinking, well, there's so many people who either don't have a local pride at all or don't have a local pride that's bi-inclusive. But there's also people who don't feel comfortable to be out, who don't feel safe to be out, who maybe don't even know that there's something for them to be out about yet. Um, so from a very, very early stage in our charity's history, we, we kind of had a, a big focus on that virtual element um it's it's one of our three strategic areas and has been from from the very earliest days um so it's it's really important for us to to kind of be building that uh that kind of what's the word i suppose sort of oh, i don't know what the word is but the sort of a, a, an ability for people to connect with it without feeling that they need to commit to anything they can just drop in drop out experience what they want to and take it in their own time um so we're really excited that we are able to bring our pride to that format this year. Um, we've obviously had some uh, some experience doing virtual events so far during the pandemic, and we had some really um, kind of broad attendance geographically and uh, demographically. Um, but we're really excited that this time we've got a full-size pride event with all of the frills and all of the bells and all of the whistles but we're able to also take that online. Um, and that's that's something that we're really excited about and that's something that we're not coming back from, that every that's, every that's, Pride that's, event will that's, be that in future. That's brilliant. I'm impressed. I'm really impressed. And, and of course, there are, you know, the thing is there are lots of people who are bisexual who are in different... I don't know, it's just different lifestyles, aren't there? There are people mm. who are in very in straight-facing relationships, 
who have not had the courage to come out to their partners or whatever it may be. So they've got that element there. But equally, and we know this is true, sadly, there are people who are bisexual who don't always feel comfortable in LGBT spaces because there is still quite a lot of biphobia out there. Uh, You know, shamefully within the LGBT community, which is Mm, appalling. Often more within LGBT spaces than in straight spaces. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, so yeah, so it, is, it is about trying to create that, as you say, safe space. So there will be people who can just log in, watch stuff online and just enjoy it, can't they, basically? They don't necessarily have to engage. If they do engage, fantastic. But if they just want to be a passive onlooker, uh, at least at least they're connecting in some way, shape or form, aren't they? Absolutely. And because it's going to be available perpetually, that means that people aren't tied to, oh, God, I didn't hear about it in September. Now I have to wait another year there's that that trickle throughout the year will be just as important absolutely now i wish you good luck with it i hope it goes well sorry i can't be there this year i know that nikki um nikki hodgson one of my co-hosts and lewis oakley another co-host have appeared i think at by pride in, in the last couple of years at some point i'm not not sure what they're doing this time they're london-based i'm in manchester um but um um just looking at the bigger picture for a second, mm. we've had lots of celebrations this year about 50 years of, of Pride. There was TV programmes about it, radio programmes about it, all sorts of celebrations. And in every single one of them, I listened to the programmes, watched the programmes, there was so little mention of the B. It was unbelievable. Yeah. It really was. You know, I watched the one that Channel 4 did. And Lewis, my colleague Lewis from Bisexual Brunch, was on it for all of 15 seconds. <laughs> they didn't even mention the word bisexual. The only reason you knew he was bisexual was because he had a T-shirt on saying bisexual on it. And that was it. Tom Robinson Tom Robinson was on it, who is bisexual, but all it was about was his song Glad to be Gay back in the 1970s. There was no mention of bisexuality. And then there was a whole load of talk, and I'm not saying, I'm not saying this is a bad thing, there's a whole lo- load of talk about uh, trans pride, about black pride, about uh, I think in fact I think the, one of the radio programs did a thing about uh, asexual pride. The B, and in fact, right at the end of one of the programs, I remember it being talked about as LGT community without the B being mentioned at one point. So, what's happening? Do you think why are we still in 2022 not getting the B mentioned? Now I. Me and Lewis have a discussion about this all the time, and he has one theory and I have another theory. And I've I've stopped short of thinking there's some kind of conspiracy, but I'm starting to think there are people obviously out there who just do not think the B matters, that it just isn't an important element. I mean, what, how, what, how do you gauge it? I mean, what's your impression of it? Um, oh, that is the million-dollar question, really. I mean, I think to begin with, um, in terms of all of the sort of the looking back at the history, people write the by elements of that early history out. There's there's Brenda Howard, who was actually the organiser of the first Pride, who was bi and Jewish and I believe a sex worker and disabled. And all of these incredible uh, things that she did within her life. One of the most incredible things was that she started Pride. But you ask people who started Pride and you hear probably the gay liberation front um so i think there's there's a lot of lack of knowledge there's a lot of um there's a lot of kind of 
exercising, I hate to say privilege, but exercising privilege in many cases because there's a sort of feeling of, oh, well, we've managed to get some recognition and rights around being gay. That's great. Now we can be mainstream. And there isn't the same recognition of making sure that that ladder is now passed down to the next group to climb up. And that is problematic in and of itself. Like you've described, I've been in so many queer spaces or what I would assume would be queer friendly spaces that actually end up just being for the L and the G um, and where I either kind of have been dismissed as bi or have been actively attacked in some way, um, verbally, fortunately, only. Um, but yeah, it's it's that sort of, it's that dominant narrative that is possessed by the people within that narrative who have the most privilege. And we have to face the fact that in queer spaces, the people with the most privilege are the cis white gay men. And they do not feel often that they are privileged because they see themselves as having uh, all of the obvious homophobia that they do still encounter. But because of that, they don't necessarily see that they have a level of privilege that they need to be handing down to the people who, within those spaces, do not have that same level of privilege. Whether that's um, people of colour, whether that's women, whether that's trans people, all of the different demographics that are struggling a lot more to get that recognition and to get those rights within these spaces. And I think the responsibility needs to sit with those cis white gay men especially those who are in charge of prides, to sit and think, what privileges do I have that I'm not helping others through? And I think we're only going to get better, more inclusive prides when uh, people who have privilege like that are prepared to confront their privileges and sit down and really think about what they're not doing. Yeah, they're the ones with the power. You're right, absolutely right. Um, because, you know, what, what's interesting about what we've been doing for the last couple of years is how many, um, and this is mainly men, actually. This is the interesting thing. Mainly young, well, not all young men, older men as well. I mean, because obviously they're bisexual people of every generation. I think sometimes we get obsessed in the, the media of, we're in these days of everything being about youth. But actually there are a lot of men who have just come up to come to us and just said that they're, they're, they're scared. They really are scared of coming out in any way, shape or form, whatever age they may be. And that must have done, must be doing, you know, no end of trouble to people's mental health and all sorts mm. of things. And, you know, obviously it, it tends to be, doesn't it, that different sides of the of the bisexual community have different issues. So bi men tend to have this thing of a lot of gay men dismissing them as being not existing. And it's just, you know, it's this whole trope of, you know, you're, you're on the way to being gay and all the rest of it. And then you get the whole thing on the fem female side of it being fetishized and you know it's popular it's seen as being something that's a bit trendy but not really taken seriously and you know done I mean? for the benefit of men to watch exactly so you get all of that don't you there's these two these different elements to it um but it's a time bomb isn't it really in a way because more and more people out there are, are now starting to tick the box bisexual they're starting to say they are bisexual but they're ticking that box but we don't know where they are that's the thing, because they're not necessarily coming out and being completely open about it. You know, people, loads and loads of people are coming out regularly saying they're gay, 
but very few people are coming out and saying they're bi. So we still haven't we still haven't really turned that corner, have we? You know, it's quite it's quite scary, isn't it? Really, we have a bit of a circular issue in that people who come out as bi in the public eye are questioned for whether they're actually bi. So they're like not they're trying to be role models and they're getting beaten down for it and then other people are seeing that and thinking well maybe I'm not really bi maybe I am actually just pretending or I'm doing it for the attention or it's a phase and for some people it is a phase and some people will identify in different ways throughout their life but because we've got this pervasive narrative especially in media forms of a bi identity not being a full coming out because, like you said, you're on your way one way or the other. We've then got people seeing that and being disempowered. So they're not ready to come out or they're not feeling able to come out. And I think also we need to, I mean, it's a much bigger issue, but we do need to examine the issue of coming out itself and why there is a need for people to come out. I mean, obviously, there's there's all of the different discourse around it that people uh, feel more able to be themselves and express themselves if they're open and they're honest. But also, the people who are sitting out there ticking the boxes saying that they're bisexual and then not coming out are just as valid. And we've got this narrative in in so in society that says you're only valid in the sexuality that you are if you're open and saying it loudly and proudly and that's also bullshit because it's very much dependent on um people being people having external pressures constrained onto them if people don't feel safe to come out it should be fine for them to not come out but they're criticized for not coming out and they're criticized for coming out so which are they going to do? They're going to get criticised either way. Yeah, no, it's 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 it, it, it's it's really 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 irritating as as you, you and I both both agree. And of course, then you've got the the other side of it, the the, the trans side of it, and also um, the you know the non-binary side of things, which has managed to get more exposure. People are more aware of of non-binary now than they were. Um, <laughs> There's definitely a caveat there. That I know. Were. There is, there is. <laughs> well, I mean, well, well, yeah. I mean, as somebody who is who is who is non-binary, is that a good thing? Is it a bad thing? How how do you think we've progressed in that area? Because of course there are overlaps here as well. Of course, because I know full well that a lot of people who are non-binary and trans are actually bisexual as well. So. Yeah, absolutely. Where you know, so where do you think we stand on that? Has it been, you know, the media does talk about non-binary now, but do you think they understand it? Uh, I think there's a lot of people who consider who get confused between the concept of non-binary and the concept of uh, gender presentation, non-conforming gender presentation. Um, there's so much complexity around the differences between gender identity, gender expression, and gender presentation that people definitely don't understand in, in in the mainstream and that is a shame um and i know from experience of having tried to come out as non-binary in various contexts like i remember a, a a slightly damning anecdote that i might be criticized by the organization for sharing but i remember being at the uk pride organizers network conference a few years ago before covid um and they did a photo um, for the whole conference attendees so that they could put it out. And then um, one of the 
um, very active members of, I think, the committee at the time. She's been on and off that committee for uh, in different ways. Um, she said, let's do a, a picture of women in Pride because there's so many, so few uh, kind of women involved in Pride organisations than there are men. And it was much smaller as a photo. And then knowing that it would be a pointless endeavour, I was like, let's do one of non-binary people in Pride. And I just sort of stood there and I'm like, hi, that's me. There are so few non-binary people involved uh, or kind of given... Uh, given power in any kind of way within queer spaces there are trans spaces where non-binary people have empowerment but the predominantly cis spaces it's still so much of an issue um i've um i've i've kind of found a few spaces where i know that i'm safe because i know the people well enough um and i'm not in any way closeted i've been out for quite some time now um but it's definitely exhausting um trying to exist as non-binary in predominantly cis spaces so what about being non-binary and bisexual then <laughs> 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 sum it up in a nutshell come on <laughs> well we offer um by inclusion training to uh various audiences we have corporates we have charities all sorts come in um and one of the sets one of the slides that we do within that training is some stuff that's just about stats um of the size of the bi community and how many people feel they have a role model um how many people feel that they can be comfortable to be out at work and the only stats that are available are for bi men and for bi women. There is almost no available evidence or research or anything on being bi and non-binary. Every time we have to preface that bit of training with this slide is extremely binary and gender, that's because the evidence isn't around. Are there any stats around? Are there any stats actually around um, bi and trans? There is some. It's less. Um, the majority of the data treats uh, treats it as women as a unit, men as a women a unit, and doesn't uh, kind of distinguish between cis and trans within those spaces. Because the majority of some. trans people I've ever met, if I'm being honest, have been bisexual. Yeah, you know, it's definitely there is definitely a lot of evidence to show how much overlap there is between bi and trans communities, um, but there's not much evidence that. Uh, that I've seen at least, and I haven't seen everything. And I would love to have people point me towards stuff if there is stuff, but I haven't seen a huge amount of, of research or evidence um, around kind of people really looking into bi and trans experiences as that intersection. Be interesting to see um, what happens. That Lewis, who yeah. my co-host, is is obsessed with stats, so I'm sure he'll uh, he'll be looking out for for stuff like that. This is my final question, I suppose. We're we're talking there about the struggles to get bisexuality mentioned and all the rest of it. But we we have such unique, interesting lives. We'd make great stories for dramas and soaps and comedies. Oh, but... drama. Emphasis on drama. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but there's very, li very little of it. People say to me, oh, well, yeah, there is. There's a bisexual in such and such. A... Yeah, often there, there is hidden there somewhere. They've toyed with it and then put them back in the closet again. Yeah. So nobody ever talks about their sexuality. Even in the new, uh, this thing that everyone's been going on about, which I think is lovely, actually, um, Heartstopper that was on Netflix. It was, it, it was really oh, nice. Oh, it made my heart... 
just so full. <laughs> it was. It was great. And it was lovely and really nicely done. But at the same time, there wasn't massives of mentions of the word bisexual in there. It was very subtle. It was there. But, you know, there was the guy at the beginning who is the one who um, the, the, the main character has has the problem with. Yeah. yeah. And, and there's a reason for him being like that. You know, you know, can't really be, you know, he's horrible to the guy, but actually he was being horrible for a reason. None of that is looked at and studied. And I'm not saying it necessarily will be in a drama, but what I mean is, it, you know, most people who watched Heartstopper or saw or heard about Heartstopper, let's put it that way, will have mainly been focused on the, oh, here's this lovely relationship between two young lads. That's, I mean, I remember on Gogglebox they were talking about that. That was the big thing. The, but the actual main thrust of it is bisexuality. But the word hardly gets mentioned, does it, really? It doesn't, but it did at the, at the end um, when he comes, when uh, when Nick comes out to his mum and he's like, I'm bisexual. And then he says, do you know what that means? And she's like, yeah, I wasn't born in the 1700s or whatever it was. Love Olivia Colman. Oh my God, she's amazing. Um, but just that moment of him saying, I'm bisexual and the sort of the lead up to it of him Googling what, am I bisexual? Am I gay? Like that was such a, such a, a relatable kind of experience, like thinking back to sort of that, that time in my life and, and that sort of those questions in my head that was just such a beautiful and relatable process that to me it didn't matter too much that that was the only by slant in the show because it was done so it was done so well that it actually yeah it just it just made my heart sing i i was like i was just watching it and and just falling over it was so but, good but i suppose the negativity really is the fact that there it was, this great series, which has done very well. Lots of people have been raving about it. But until I actually watched the whole thing, I had no idea there was anything about bisexuality in it because the media generally couldn't be, wasn't prepared to mention the word at all. You know what I mean? Which is shocking, isn't it? It's, it's been very disappointing seeing how the media has then interacted with Kit Connor as a person who just doesn't want to put any labels on his sexuality and that is totally fine again going back to some people want to some people don't but the way that the media has sort of said well if he doesn't want to put a label on it then he isn't anything it's like no he just doesn't want to put a label on it right now because he's pretty young and he's still working his shit out but he's he's an on-screen representation even if his kind of his character is is doing what it's doing and he's doing what he's doing and i think that's been really disappointing but also very just typical of the media in how it wants to sensationalize by identities and treat it like it's some kind of big drama that he may or may not be by when actually it's just him figuring his shit out yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely right. No, but if any, anybody's listening or hasn't seen it yet, please go and <laughs> watch it. Apologies for the spoilers. Yes, yeah, sorry. <laughs> There's a lot more interesting little bits happening behind the scenes as well, so go and watch it, go and watch it. Um, well, Avi, thank you very much indeed for joining us to talk to us about Buy Pride UK. I wish you the best thank of you luck for with it. Me. And just a reminder then that Buy Pride UK uh, takes place on September the 3rd, all day uh, in London, but is also available online. 
uh, and on that day and is also available online afterwards or certainly 90% of it is anyway. So whatever you do, however you indulge with it, enjoy Buy Pride UK. And now it's time to ask a bisexual. So our question this time is from Dave in Dublin. It's not really Dave in Dublin. Um, we've had to change names for this one because the person we've spoken to uh, doesn't really want to be identified. Um, but the story is, I'm in a relationship with a woman. We have three children. We've been married for 12 years. And five years ago, I decided to be honest about being bisexual. At first, it was okay, but then things changed. And although we're still together, all I get is constant questions now. I've never been unfaithful to her, but it's clearly upset her. And there seems to be no way of re-establishing the relationship that we once had. What should I do? I can't carry on like this forever with someone who simply doesn't seem to be able to trust me. What do you make of that? Oh, it's so sad. Unfortunately, it is a story as old as time. I mean, this is like one of the main questions I get. It's from older men that are married with children and a mortgage that are either wanting to come out or have just come out and have really struggled. Um, and the the thing about this question is this has been going on for five years. This isn't new information to the wife, and it's just clearly been damaging. I think it's um, it's one of the things why I think coming out is just so important, especially in a relationship, because like, you can understand, and I would never judge anyone for staying closeted in a, in a relationship. Bisexuals are not treated nicely and we all know that the majority of women would say sayonara straight women that is um if they knew that you were bisexual so you just kind of keep it to yourself I, I understand why we get to where we do and then one day in your 40s you wake up and be like i want them to know that she loves me for me and all of who i am so i'm gonna tell her i feel in a safe place now and then it doesn't work out that way it's really hard um it's quite hard because you also have to see it from uh, the woman's perspective where um, you know, she thought she was marrying someone and that person is slightly different to who they thought. And this guy equally deserves to be loved for who he is, which is why coming out is so important. Doesn't help the situation though, because that's kind of looking back at the past, which we've 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 said is a bad thing. Um in this situation, I don't know. I think it all I can recommend is sitting her down and kind of going through it again step by step, which I'm sure you've done before, but maybe Often when things become an uncomfortable conversation, we don't want to have the full conversation. So we just kind of maybe say a little bit in passing or we say a little bit while we're shouting. I think maybe sitting down in a really calm way of really, you know, detailing, realizing you're bisexual, the choices you made of why you hid it and blah, 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 and that kind of stuff. Um, and, you know, re reiterating the point that, you know, you believe in monogamy, I'm assuming from that question. Um and that you want to get back to it. I, I think that that is the most important thing. But I mean, the, the true honest thing of the of the situation is there are a lot of women out there that do not want to be with bisexual men. It's odd because the, the truth is this woman has always been dating a bisexual person. It's just that now she knows about it. Um, it doesn't really change anything because it's not like he's saying, and I want to go out and experiment with men. Um, so it's, it's a really tricky one, but I think that you might have to accept the reality that this is something that she will just never be able to accept. And you 
probably have to have a little question with yourself of can you deal with it? Can you deal with the fact that she's never going to feel the same as she did before? And that's not on you. That's totally on her. Um, biphobia is a real thing. It's not just something we invented for fun because we were bored. Like, this is a real thing and this is what we deal with. And there is no good answer. I mean, the best outcome is she accepts it, accepts you. The relationship goes back to the way it was before and everyone's happy. Um, but, you know, if you're five years in and you're reaching out now and being like, this is just it's just not changing. I just I, I don't know that it that it ever will. And I don't know if that's something you can either accept and be like, well, we're just going to crack on anyway. Or whether you have to consider that it's, you know, maybe you have to find a relationship that you are happy in. And I know that's really hard when you've got three kids, a marriage and a mortgage. And it's about what do you what what do you want? How do you want to live? And what what is important to you? It sounds like. It sounds like you can't take much more of this and you feel at breaking point and sometimes things have to break. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think I think you're absolutely right. It is a a, a tragic situation on both sides, really, uh, because you've got the the woman who, you know, for no fault of her own, really, doesn't necessarily understand um, what bisexuality means. Um, probably has never necessarily come across a bisexual person before. Probably come across gay people, but not come across a bisexual person. Doesn't really get get that. And that's going to take a lot of of getting your head round. And as you say, to you know, to be in one mind of that this the person that they fell in love with, the married or whatever, and and then that person suddenly changes, and and it, they realise actually they've been uh, with somebody who is a different identity in a way. Um, it, it must be must be really really hard. And now you're answering a lot of these questions a lot, Lewis, and, and your sort of columns and things like that. And we're doing this on Ask a Bisexual, uh, on Bisexual Brunch. We're virtually, aren't we, the only sort of, I suppose, if we want to call agony aunts or agony uncles that there are when it comes to this kind of thing. Is there, is there anywhere people can go for proper conversations as couples to talk about the issues of bisexuality? Is it, is it out there at all? Not that I know. I know that there are there are some bisexual services and clinics and people are trying to do what they can. Um, I would also worry even about marriage counsellors and stuff like that, because I know that, say, with sexual health, for instance, a lot of bisexual people there feel completely misunderstood. So it's one of those things where you can call helplines and you can go and speak to therapists, which I'm not unadvocating for people. Go and, go and try and find the help you need. But I, I personally would worry that they, you know, even sometimes the psychologists don't get it. Um, and they kind of put you in a oh, gay can't accept it box. So it's it's a really it's a really troubling. I wonder if maybe we can do something to help. And maybe and you've kind of talked about this before, about we need to focus on this whole women that won't date by men or have an issue with it. Maybe we do a full episode on it. So that then someone like this could be like, look, I want you to do one thing to me for me. I want you to listen to this episode because they've got some great guests on and they talk about this whole issue. Like maybe we need to do one themed episode specifically on this issue and just kind of put forward in an hour 
the best case we can for for tackling this issue. It's interesting. This is what I've actually written um, this piece on that I've got coming out, which is about women not wanting to date by men and how basically by men know that the majority of women don't want to date them. So they stay closeted. And then you get this situation 20, 30 years later where they do then come out and then the women have an issue with it because you've been lying to me, you've been hiding stuff and and now I'm in this relationship with this bi guy and I'm biphobic, so that's an issue. It's a horrible, vicious circle that I'm not sure how we break people out of. But no, I, I, I fully agree with you. I think we do need to do something because to be frank, Lewis, if we don't, no one else is going to do anything because there's nobody else out there doing anything about it generally. So I think I think we need to try and get. Well, connected. there are some, but we we can add to it. Yeah, I think we should. I think we should do one for. I think we should do two actually. We should do one around straight women, and we should do one around um, around gay men because there's equally a problem there as well. Um, and yeah. you know, I think I think both uh, would be interesting. I think it'd be quite interesting just to do some random conversations. Maybe get somebody to go out and do a Vox and just get people generally talking and just so we can understand um, the attitudes. And then at the end of that conversation, maybe say to them, well, we're from bisexual brunch. Do you want to come in on, on and chat about this and, you know, talk about it? And we can, you know, we can sort of discuss what your concerns might be. Because unless the concerns are actually properly tackled head on, um, the, 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 the myths are going to continue, aren't they, really? Exactly. I mean, we need more stats. I know you like your stats, and we don't have stats. That's the point. We have very few stats on any of this, really. That, that's the problem. I'm trying to work on this. I am trying to get some companies to commit to a yearly bisexual report. Yeah, I think we need it. I think we need something. I think we need something. Anyway, that's Ask a Bisexual this time. Um, please do get in touch with any questions you've got. You've been asking some tough ones recently, actually. We've been put through the put through the mill on these ask a bisexual questions, haven't we? We've been challenged, and um, uh, it's uh, really interesting to hear from you all. But uh, um, in terms of Dave from Dublin, yeah, handle it carefully, but um, just have a long, hard think. I think about um, what it is that you really want. Ready to ask a question of your own? Send an email now to info at madeinmanchester.tv. And in the subject line, say, for the attention of bisexual brunch, and you might get featured on a future show. Don't be shy, they won't bite. Okay, well, that's bisexual brunch for this week. If you've got any comments, thoughts, musings, do get in touch with us at, at bisexualbrunch on Twitter. And thank you for listening, and we'll see you later. Bye for now. So then, Lewis, how many weeks in now are we in terms of being a, a dad of three? We're at three months. Three, three months, months yesterday. Three um, months. How's it going? It's it's absolutely exhausting. <laughs> like I honestly, I feel like I, I'm I'm a perfectionist, and I'm someone that's always like, oh, there's more you can do, and I'm really having to realize that there's a saying that I really think is quite interesting. That's like. It's not about having it all. It's about giving it all. So if you want to have the family and the kids and the job and the car and the body, that's a lot of work. And the the social life on top, it's like this time it takes to maintain friendships and a family and a job and a gym bod. There there are not enough hours in the day to do it. Um, 
So I'm actually at that point where I'm like, what in my life can I actually give at the moment? No, no, no grey hairs yet then. Actually, one of my friends the other day said you've got some grey hairs, but I don't, I wouldn't mind like grey hairs and being grey. I think that that would, um, I think it'd be all right. I'd definitely get a hair transplant if I was losing my hair because I really like having hair. Yes. Um, but grey, I'm not worried about. Yeah, I'm the same. I agree with you on that one. Agree with that one. Uh, definitely. I, I, I got a few grey hairs and the, the hairdresser to gets rid of them every now and again if too many but uh but yeah i'm, I'm doing i'm fi- i'm 50 in a few months time and i i hope i don't well I mean, it doesn't matter i'm not bothered whether i look 50 or not but i don't think i do look 50 i think i'm still fairly youthful for my age really um but um i don't think you look 50 there you go there you go thank you friend, friend for- also i'll wait for the 50th <laughs> birthday party invite friend friend for life now we've got a bit of an announcement to make haven't we actually because you're talking about having three kids and our co-host, yeah. our co-presenter, who hasn't been here for a little while, uh, I wonder why. Actually, <laughs> uh, she's not been it here for a few months. It all makes sense now, doesn't it? It does. It all makes sense now. She's been a bit busy, I think, because Nikki is expecting in February. Um, so she is. So that's going to make by doing bisexual brunch a nightmare. You'll be screaming and screeching at one end, she'll be at the other end. So. <laughs> And also, can you imagine the baby tour? We may just have to rebrand to Bisexual Brunch with Babies. Um, or something like that. Because I think, yeah, it's... Um, it, it'll be interesting, though, because I think that Nikki's going to pair it really differently to me. So it'll be really interesting for us to trade notes. And also, because I'm, like, a few years ahead of her, for me to be able to share tips when she's like, they won't sleep, or... The burping or whatever it is, I'm like, ah, oh, don't worry. Yeah, I think she's expecting a girl, isn't she? From what I can tell, what I'm told, I think, I think it's a girl she's expecting. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. I, don't, I, I didn't know that, actually. Yeah, yeah, expecting a girl. Anyway, hopefully Nikki will be back on the next on the next show. So finally, what are you up to now? It's we're, we're 11 o'clock at night, we're recording this. You're just going to bed, I presume? I'm going to bed. Like, literally, like, Maisie's going to be awake in three hours. <laughs> um, I've got to go, because this is the thing, the, the whole tactic one parent said to me is that you need to go to bed at nine o'clock. But I don't have time to go to bed at nine o'clock. I've got podcasts and articles and revision for driving tests and stuff I didn't do at work today that needs to get done. So I don't know. I think I just need to like invent a way to not sleep and then I can get everything done. <laughs> this program is an MIM production. Remember to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.